Okay, so we are joined by Greg, Steve, and Peter. Welcome, guys. Happy New Year. We are starting with uh, Blue Owl Little Boss, a Sour Session Wheat. This is one of the beers that uh, John Rubio from the Beerus gave us when I was in Austin. Let's go through you guys and uh, see what you're drinking. So, Greg, what are you drinking? I've got uh, Avgas Pilsner from Pilot Brewery um, here in New Zealand, uh, Tokofi, which is not too far from here. Uh, it's a Pilsner hopped with Rewalker, I believe. And when it's fresh, it's delicious. <laughs> this one's not so much. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Peter? Yeah, I'm drinking the 2015 Celebration uh, Fresh Hop IPA from Sierra Nevada. Quote, and unquote, fresh uh, hop. Yeah, it doesn't taste fresh hop to me at all, to be honest. It's very malty. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll have to, I've got a, the regular pale ale as well right here. So right. I picked up a box yesterday as a go-to, but uh, I've got a fridge full, so maybe I'll store something else exciting. <laughs> Excellent. And Steve? I'm finishing up uh, Brooklyn Black Ops. Black Ops. You're drinking the whole big bottle by yourself? Uh, split it with uh, brother, so yeah, no, we're... Okay. Not... Is your brother sitting in, or is he doing something else? Uh, playing a different game, so not oh. in. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> this is a more fun game we're playing. <laughs> so, um, since it's 2015, a year of beer. For us. Well, for half of us. For half of us. Uh, well, for, for, for us, you know, we're recording the show, so we, we yes. get we get to make the rules. Uh, <laughs> Peter and Greg, imagine it was, you know, eight hours ago. Yeah. In your mind's eye, picture this. So, is there... Are any stories that you guys are like desperate to talk about? Chirp, not, chirp, no, chirp. Not no. Okay. Well, um, let's bring up the year in beer. What have we noticed this year? I mean, the big thing is obviously the acquisitions. That's the big news story. How, I mean, we so, talked about this on the show. We talked about it a lot. Now we do have two listeners from New Zealand and right. Australia. And I think I'm going to continue like this acquisition talk and thing. I'm going to keep asking them what it's like outside of the United States, what they're seeing in their yeah. local markets. Right. And uh, so it's the year of beer, craft beer acquisitions is what we were talking about mm -hmm. and how, you know, all these craft brewers are being purchased. And I remember seeing a story about one brewery in Brazil that was purchased I haven't seen any stories about um, breweries in New Zealand or Australia. No billion-dollar purchases down in Australia? Greg or Peter, have you guys come across anything like that? We had a fairly high-profile one a couple of years ago, which was Emerson's. Um, so you guys have probably had Emerson's beer. In mm -hmm. fact, I think you've had it on the show. Um, they were purchased by Lion Nathan, which is um, their parent company is either Kirin or Asahi. I, I can never remember which is which. Um, so that that was pretty big. Um, I think we're two, three years down the track now. The beer quality has been great. It's available in a lot more places. Um, people who are passionate about small businesses are a bit upset still, but everyone who just cares about beer quality is pretty happy. Um, the other interesting fact is that the flow-on effect from the latest acquisitions in the US. I've got a, a very good friend who's a distributor, and he brings in um, Ballast Point. Mm, okay. And, he refused to stock Emerson's at the time because he said they were no longer a locally owned uh, business. And he, he drew a very hard line in the sand. So as a distributor now, he's still continuing to bring in Ballast Point, And he's getting a lot of flack for that. 
um, which, you know, you could say he brought it on himself, but I, I think he's walking a very delicate line. He's, he's trying to do what's best for all his customers, and he doesn't want to play politics with it. So, yeah, it, it's having some effects over here. I mean, the problem is he started no, playing politics. So, <laughs> you know, once you start playing politics, that's when you get labeled as a sellout. Right when you when you start saying it's not when you just do something and and the community hates you for it that that's not being a sellout. When you sell is when you you establish you have a set of principles and then you break them. That's when you're really yeah. a sellout. So I understand sort of the, the you know the consternation people have towards that. Like if Dick Cantwell you know went with the Elysian thing and he was like yeah I love Budweiser or, or now he goes yeah. to work for Miller or yeah. something right right. right. You know, you so should... he quit, didn't he? Uh, Dick yeah. Campbell quit when Elysium was born. Mm-hmm. He right. didn't quit right away. He was there for a month or two, but he did quit. Probably and... in his contract or something, he had to stay for a well, transition. No, no. Oh, maybe. Yeah, stay on. Well, there was a much longer stay on for him to get all his options, you know, and all his, you know, due income. He left money on the table by leaving. Mm-hmm. And he there he's blacked out. He can't work at a brewery. For the next or for four years from the purchase date, so he's not doing brewing stuff. He's like doing quality control stuff now or something like that. That kind of is a consultant or something along those lines. So I mean, it's not like his normal stay on had expired. He right. still left early. Royalties from book sales will see him through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he had, he had other options with him, you know. But you know, he definitely you know was principled, you know through the whole thing and um well there there's ways around that i mean it's non-competes are very very hard to enforce mm-hmm. with u.s labor law yeah right same here it's, it's it's true here as well especially if you leave money on the table i gotta think that plays a you know part because you're not getting paid to not work you're so yeah how did you guys feel about that i had a heap of respect for him um that he that he stuck to his principles there. Did you guys feel the same way, or would you have taken the money and not cared? Or? I would have taken the money um, <laughs> because one of the reasons I would have taken the money is because I'm, I'm looking at the bigger picture here, which is look, we have four thousand plus breweries now. This is kind of unsustainable. This is unsustainable. <laughs> this is not a yeah. sustainable trajectory. It's good that craft breweries are being bought because that means they're valuable. That means that this thing is going to stick around. There may be some drop in quality in some places. I think that's unavoidable when you get into mass production uh, in certain sectors. Some people won't. But I, I just think that this means that these these are valuable. This means that these are things that people want that they're going to keep producing. So I think it's a good thing ultimately. Yeah. Okay, so you say it's unsustainable. but So I would agree with you if it was a situation where you had you know, like like here in New Zealand or perhaps Australia, you've got a few largest urban areas and the breweries were all opening there. Is that what's happening or are they opening in rural areas as well? Because you guys have got a huge country and lots of little towns. Yeah, they're all over the place. I, I saw a stat on Twitter uh, just the last night. It was um, it was interesting because it was talking about like how many cities. I can't remember the numbers involved. But then like the counter stat was like there's still a thousand cities over ten thousand people that don't have breweries that's Something a dumb like stat but but you know but it kind of goes to show like because I, I wish i could remember the whole stat i'll have to see if i can look it up here real quick but i'm not sure who said it um but it, it kind of showed that while 
there's a lot of breweries. They are clustered, like you were saying. You know, they're not completely spread out. There's still some pretty large towns that don't have. Well, but I mean, those are like the, the problem is we have such an urban sprawl. There are lots of these little towns of of ten, fifteen thousand people all over the place. So I don't know if, if that's a if that's a good metric anymore. Because uh, basically, like the entire East Coast for 300 miles is essentially one big urban area of the, of the United States. Uh, so, you know, th- there are little spots of farmland, little spots of 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 thing of forest, but there are really just cities dotting the entire thing. Little towns that have at least ten thousand, fifteen thousand people in them. So, if some of those don't have a brewery, you can still you know ten minutes on a turnpike or something, and boom, you're at a brewery. Uh, it, especially now that there are four thousand plus brewers, it it just it it seems like you're never too far from one. Okay, so it was uh, Thomas Zuckus is someone I follow, and it, the stat was over two thousand U.S. cities have a brewery, but nearly a thousand with a population over ten thousand do not. So uh, yeah, that seems to be a, a useless stat to me. Okay, I mean, was it- I don't need. I don't need every single township needs to have their own brewery. Was it Garrett Oliver or somebody that said support local but support good first, whether they're local or not? Yeah. I, I, so I agree 4, with that. 4,000 I think is sustainable. Will it be the same 4,000 that we have now in two or three years? I think as more and more younger people get into the craft beer or age into the ability to legally purchase it, that they will support the local. It's not the fact that it's – they they don't want to support Megacorp, so they're going to buy the local. Well, the other thing, though, to think about is a lot of these breweries are, you know, they're, they're selling an affordable luxury. They're also selling an intoxicant. They're selling a drug. So you're going to see competition from craft distilleries. You're going to see competition from, from smaller places. You're going to see competition as marijuana becomes legal. You're going to see competition from there. So you're going to see competition from other places that are selling similar products. And that's going to limit also the, the, uh, the ability for, for some of these places to sustain themselves, I think. Right. I, I think what um, Steve was saying and Copper Hart you were saying, you, you, know, you said the, the trajectory is not sustainable, you know, 4,000 breweries. You know, I think the number 4,000 or, you know, 5,000 probably is sustainable, but there's going to be churn. There's going to be turnover, yes, right? I yeah. mean, I'll, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of breweries yeah. closing in the next couple of years. Yeah, maybe maybe the right thing is the growth is not sustainable, I don't think. the, the I mean, obviously, growth, <laughs> can't, you can't just keep growing, 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 or all of a sudden you're huge anyway. Uh, but it's, it's possible this number is sustainable, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, it, it's just the market, right? Breweries are going to close. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be mismanaged. They're not going to have good product. You know, there's going to be people that don't go into this well-planned. And even well, even if they're well-intentioned, you know, they're not well-planned and the, yeah. those breweries aren't going to make it. Uh, but there's going to be three other breweries taking their place. <laughs> so what do you guys think Jeff, about purchasing? I'm sorry, what did you guys say? Yeah, the is a good product. We're all going to try them. We can get our hands on them. We're going to try everything. That's what we do, right? Like yeah. you guys, you try everything. Right. But if and they're not good, we ain't going to go back. And a lot of them don't have good products. <laughs> not all of them. Are, all of them are not sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> so what, Jeff, what's the beer? Point, I think what what's I'm going sorry, to happen yeah. is that it's there's going to be another. It won't necessarily be hop shortage, but in the next couple of years, there's going to be a product shortage, and those breweries won't have product or raw materials to brew with, and that's where the the shrinkage is going to occur. Unless someone's out there with the plan of of a Sam Adams going saying, 
I'm buying hops not for this year, but I'm buying hops for five years. I think the- I think most breweries, I mean, except for the smallest ones. I mean, even relatively new, smaller breweries are going to have hop contracts for three or four years out. Um, might be a shot in the dark whether they need that, but there's a second market for selling your excess contract and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you could almost you could almost you know use that you know invest in that market and then you know. Um, you know, trying to share demand and stuff like that. Some of the beauty of having a smaller brewery is that if you are limited in terms of what ingredients you get, you can still make something. So you can still produce something out of, you know, just the dregs of what you can find. Uh, and with the, with the, with the knowledge basis out there, I mean, when we started, there weren't a lot of people who knew how to make good beer. It, it was mm-hmm. not well known how to make really good beer. Cause we noticed that cause a lot of the breweries that were around weren't making very good beer. Right. The hard part about long-term hop contracts is the hop landscape is changing so rapidly over the last four years. Four years ago, who heard of Mosaic, Citra, Mm -hmm. and Motuika, you know? Nelson Savan was just on the horizon, you know, four years ago. Well, I got to think if you're a hop farmer, you're making bank right now. I mean, there are... Well, but they also... Hop farmers gotta also anticipate the trends, right? It takes three years to get a good production out of a hop vine, right. so they gotta be three years ahead. They gotta decide whether they have to rip out an acre of Cascade to plant in mm. Citra, and they might have planted Citra, and now people might not care as much for Citra because they might want Mosaic instead. You know, so it's, Galaxy, everybody, Galaxy, get your Galaxy exactly. Hops. So I mean, unless it's not easy being a hop farmer, and then you have the whole problem of you gotta harvest your entire crop over two weeks. You have to use equipment that hasn't been made since the 1960s. You know, all that kind of thing, you know. So, you know, I wouldn't really want to be a hop farmer either. So part of that's a marketing problem. Um, Here in New Zealand, there's the, like, the hop farmers are a collective and there's a marketing company which basically exists to sell them. And that's just a product of how those hops were developed. It's been around forever. There is is no independent hop market in New Zealand. Um, Mm. And I think what happens, or what may happen in the States, is the same thing, the same sort of model, except you'll have several of them competing, which would be great for here. Um, so, you know, you, the, the, instead of ripping, ripping out that acre of Cascade to grow a, an acre of Citra or whatever, they'll just say, well, we're going to grow twice as much Cascade, and then we're going to sell it to you. Mm-hmm. you now we're going to convince you that that's what you want to use. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it, but, you know... The hop we might be talking about in four years probably only has a number right now, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's it's so it's changing so fastly. It, it's it's really um, it's really interesting. I mean, because you know, this one's gonna taste like beef. Well, maybe not beef, but I mean, you think that you know? Imagine the like the. I think there's been like a renaissance in IPA mm-hmm. over the last two years, right? I mean, they're no longer the rip your face off bitter. There's these tropical flavors. There's these uh, more fruity flavors, things like that. Oh, sure. And, yeah. um, or, I'm sorry, I kind of lost track of, of what I was saying. Oh, nice. Yum, yum. Yeah. There you go. I'm about to crack a big Citra bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so we were cracking uh, Mother Road Brewery's uh, Tower Station IPA. Yeah, we did this on the show a couple weeks ago as well. We just started off with a couple uh, uh, repeats here. Um, we're good, going to break out. Ones that, it's over. Come say hi, Max. Oh, are you hiding? <laughs> We're not over yet. 
Allie, come come on in, Allie. Hey, you guys didn't do the Netflix thing with the kids, did you? Hey, uh, Allie. They just watched Elvin and the Chipmunks. How you doing, Allie? Say hi. 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 They're saying hi. You probably can't hear them. So we got people from all over the world, Allie. That guy right there, he's in Australia. That's Peter. Say hi. Hey, Allie. And then. Happy New Year. This is Greg from New Zealand. He was here. Do you, did you meet him when he was here? Do you remember Greg? This, this yeah, Greg? I met you very briefly. Yep, he's from New he Zealand. Playing in a cardboard box. Somebody's <laughs> <laughs> somebody shot. <laughs> Matt, do you want to say that? No. No. Okay. okay. What are you guys doing? You going upstairs or what? I don't know. That was subtle. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I might have to queue up another movie for him in there. <laughs> you do know that Netflix has this thing where you can time it to, to do the, the ball drop, right? It doesn't have to be midnight. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's, that's cool. That's cool. It's like a Yule log, but uh, <laughs> but different. Last year, Allison made it to like 11.42, and she fell asleep. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so you know, just real quick, talking about hops, you know, I, I just think that that's a weird, uh, you know, we kind of, change the sour. To like. Yeah, yeah. This one is a kind of a really citrusy grapefruit mm-hmm. orange IPA. It's really good, but yeah, it's a big switch up from the last one. Um, so Steve was talking about a shortage of ingredients. I kind of want to get back there a little bit. I think there's more to explore there because right. we kind of went off on a hop, you know, thing. And I think we kind of talked about all the stuff that I thought was important about hops. Well, so we, we talked. To, we've talked about this before, but how you know, if it's a gold rush, you want to be selling mining picks or you, you want to be selling the, the supply so in a sense particularly for the grains i got to think that that's someone's going to be you know making good money selling the grains to all these brewers yeah i haven't heard too as much about the the barley farmers and things like that as much as i've heard about the hop farmers mm-hmm. um don't forget about the water yeah <laughs> the water in california it's a big issue <laughs> the um yeah. barley is used in a lot more products right so mm-hmm. it they're you know, hop farmers have one consumer, right? Where barley farmers, you well, know, yeah, barley farmers you also have malting places, right? They're not necessarily right. the same place. Yeah, malting places narrower use yeah. of market, but um, you know, a lot, well, stuff that's made into flour, I guess, isn't malted, but um, well, you're still, I mean, they still make malts for. I, I think the for like uh, YooHoo, I guess, right? So they're yeah. still. I think the um, the people that are making fermenters, Careful, that, that's that's the picks, <laughs> yeah, right? Those are the, those are the people that you know probably just you know printing money as fast as they can. The people that are making the brew houses in the fermenters. Yeah, that's true. Um, because yeah, like I, I just make, make some steel round things and just make some steel cylinders, and there you go. No, I don't know if it's that easy, but well, I've, yeah, the, the I'm, technology I'm a few the technology from, yeah. is not changing as yeah. quickly as it is with like the hop farms. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I was trying to think of the other ingredients. So water scarcity, I guess, like Steve mentioned, you know, could be a thing. Um, that's probably... That's why you drink all these San Diego beers right now before they run out of water. <laughs> there you go. Um, that, I mean... If I think... you're a brewer, I imagine you can afford to desalinate if you need to. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's going to put a huge markup on it's... it. It's an exponential with that. It's yeah. You're you're taking someone's drinking water to make beer, right? 
or the water to the thing to shower with. It's it's you're consuming the th- same thing until there's some type of either fusion or, or a, a resurgence in nuclear. The the desalination is cost prohibitive. Hmm. It's an energy problem. It's not a, a right. Problem. Yeah. Yeah, Once so, we figure out the strong force, we'll be all <laughs> I, 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 maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I think force, that. Dark side or light side? Hmm? I said, is the strong force dark side or light side? Um, probably both. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, um, you know, the water shortage in California that's affecting people who want to wash their cars and water their lawns mostly right now. Yeah, you know, it's. You know, you hear about it in the news, but if you look at the details, it's not about brewers getting water. It's the almond crops doing fine. It's almost not about farmers getting water. I think there's some restrictions, but not a lot. Most of the restrictions are for the, um, you know, watering lawns. Everybody's a pool out there, that sort of thing. Filling pools, car washes, things like that. Some of the stories I've seen, some of the, the. The, the nut and tree farms in California, some of the vineyards, it's it's there. It's okay. not making the daily news, but it they've cut capacity down. Okay. Peter, you were going to say something? California still exports water to Vegas. Well, I mean, you could probably get a good markup. Vegas is having to stop that. Oh, so, yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's obviously a lot of money involved. I got to think Colorado could send us up to Vegas, right? I mean, they got plenty. But currently, California does. Well, just the past, just this year, the past few years, they've been down on snowfall. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess so. I mean, hey, climate change is a real thing. Look at what the businesses are doing. Clearly, you know, they're preparing for this. Well, and also, water is so insanely cheap. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, for as, people, it, as it becomes less and less available, it's going to be, you know, the price is going to go up. Well, sure. That's just the elasticity of demand. Sure, but it's so cheap, you know. Um, it's like helium was for a while. Right. It's, it's <laughs> even cheaper than helium was. I mean, water is ridiculous. Water is very cheap. So when, if you're... Oh, well, uh, we get it very cheap because, I mean, we have rivers and stuff. So well, that, sure. But what I'm saying is when you're one of these small, most of the breweries, one of these small breweries, right, you don't have this water contract you don't have this water quota right you're just pulling off the public supply for the meter so that they're not going to have the problems and some of the larger breweries like maybe anheuser-busch Fairfield plant or something like that they might have an actual quota that they mm. can't use you know large breweries um I if see, you're budweiser you can afford to actually ship in most it's not going to be too much on your body and, and then the medium large breweries that do have water quotas it's not on the in it's on the out right it's on the treatment side of it is where they have the quotas on how much water they can put into the treatment system is most most times oh really okay yeah. that's interesting like uh mm-hmm. you see this you see this several times several places i can't it's been a couple of years since i've seen one of these stories but you know brewery is getting fined by the municipality because they put too much water into the system and water that needs to be treated, right? It's, it's high in um, all the things that need to mm-hmm. be treated out of it because there's yeast slurry or um, other things, other nutrients in there that grow bacteria that need to be Is it Dogfish up. Head does a lot of recycling? They probably do. I don't know. I, I do know that Saranac has, uh, when I was up at Saranac, it's one of the... Um, you know they're not a tiny brewery. They're, call them a regional brewery. They uh, but they have a digester, right? Actually, when we were leaving, we drove past the digester and it was pretty stinky. But you know it's their water treatment, right? Where they use anaerobic whatever mm-hmm. to to take all the stuff, you know, nutrients out of the water, so it's not. You, you think know, it wouldn't be stinky 
because it's just plant matter. It, it was thinking. Well, it was fermenting or bacterial, you know, digestion. Remember when you, when you started a compost thing and you were like, it doesn't smell as long as it's just plant matter. As soon as you put meat in there, it starts to really right, re- right. reek. Oh, yeah. No, compost, kind of, compost pile kind of has a sweet smell to it when it's cooking. Yeah. Uh, but the digester is not, not the same. Yeah. <laughs> Anaerobic digester. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, that's where you see breweries running into problems with their municipalities is putting too much water into the treatment plant because treatment plants cleaning water for the sewage system mm-hmm. and things like that and not necessarily set up to handle a large brewery. In essence, though, the real problem is that we haven't found a use or a good enough use for the stuff that comes out of the brewery. So you're just throwing it away as opposed to finding a way to sell it. It's like fry oil for, for fast food restaurants, right? It's like they have to throw it away because while you could use it in diesel engines, it has to go through a whole nonsense. No, no, uh, well, I mean, cost-effective. So, so Saranac, again, I was recently up there, but they're a large enough scale brewery that their spent grains are able to to not just be given away to a farmer, but they sell it. So it's an income. You know, yeah, they get some, but it's, but it's still not. They, they recapture their CO2 and they're able to use their CO2 on their production. Or I, I didn't ask the question whether they had excess and they're selling their CO2 off. But I mean, it was a large enough brewery that they're recapturing a lot of I doubt you sell those. CO2. <laughs> I, we buy CO2 to, for kegs. Someone has to buy CO2. To... Well, yeah, but I mean, you can't. <laughs> CO2 is so easy to get. If you if you have especially have an industrial scale, it's operation. easy to get. But then you have a brewer over there with a big tank of it and it has more than they need. Why not just hook up a hose to the tank and take it there instead of trying to sequester it yourself? Because the places that actually sell it have plenty. Yeah, a couple of years ago in Columbus, they were shortages. Really, of CO two supplier. Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know the economics, right? I don't pretend to know it. I just know that they are capturing their CO2, which is not something a small brewery can do. Right. Because you have to basically take the outgassing from your fermenters and then compress it. So you have to have a, like a compressor that can take the low pressure to high pressure. And um, and then, you know, they use that back into production, but then they may sell some of it. I asked them about their grains because I had heard in the past that you need to have a grain dryer and have dry grains to make it sellable. Like, if it was a wet, soggy grain, there wasn't a seller's market for that. Oh, yeah, I think it, was, it molds pretty quickly. It, was a, you know, it, does, it does get moldy really quickly. Cows generally don't care about a little bit of mold or even a lot of mold. Um, I've smelled some pretty stinky uh, grain barrels at East End Brewing mm-hmm. that, that, that were destined for the cows. Um, but I, I was under the impression it had to be dry to be worth something. But uh, they said they don't dry it and they sell it to farmers. So hmm. um, maybe it's a scale thing at that point. So, I mean, they're reusing a lot of their waste streams and then they put in the anaerobic digester so they weren't putting all that crap into the municipal water system, right? So they're yeah. being a good... Or maybe. Well, I was going to say they're being a good citizen, but it might have been the only way they didn't get into trouble with the <laughs> municipal uh, water system. So, Well, I mean, if if both work, if you can be a good citizen and not get into trouble and the sa- with the same right. thing, then, hey, even better, right? There's a, there's a few um, breweries here, especially brew pubs, that um, recapture the CO2. It can be done really, oh, really? cheaply on a small scale. Really? And most of them, they use it to push the beer through their, their, their mm. serving lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're, they're mainly doing it to save themselves money and hassle. They're, they're not, you know, they're not trying to get out of anything. Or okay, I've ne- but yeah, they could get in trouble for for too much. But 
did not. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm not familiar with the small-scale CO2 capture system. Do you know anything about it, Greg? Uh, I, I've seen a couple, but I haven't really got in-depth with them. They are just a, a small air compressor that's got a, a high-grade filter on the input. Okay. Um, and it, it cleans out all the a lot of the aromatic compounds in it. And it just takes low pressure, compresses it to high pressure, and then sticks it in a big tank for um, either repackaging into smaller tanks or pushing lines. How, like, What's the energy? I mean, I guess you don't know, but I'm well, wondering what the energy usage on such a thing is. Cause... I'm curious about the, the, the intake side, right? Because you have to have this low pressure reservoir of CO2. Yeah, they, they have a holding tank, and when it fills up to a certain volume, it, the compressor kicks in. Oh, okay. Um, and through so i I don't know all so so the the head pressure on the fermenter fills the holding tank yeah so there there's some back pressure onto the beer more so than there would be just going into a bucket there's as i understand it there's a there's a a one-way valve and a two-stage compressor so there's a a large volume to a smaller volume compressor compressor and then when that small volume's full that compresses into the main tank okay um i've seen two of them in New Zealand, and they're both very different, but they work on that that theory. Okay, I've been into it actually. Yeah, it just seems like you know the it seems like the tricky part is that first stage reservoir, right? Because you don't want to have too much head pressure on the fermenter. You don't want to have a negative pressure on the fermenter, I don't think. And so, yeah. figure out how you're going to have that thing regulated, where the compressor is pulling in CO two. You know that, and the filter's got to be like one micrometer, right? It's got to be really tiny because you don't want to get. Oh, yeah. You're not filtering. You're only filtering gas at this point. You're not filtering liquids. Still, so, there's like like Greg said, there's aromatic compounds, oh, right, right. And other stuff. That but you're not going to have these super fine filters, uh, these HEPA filters, getting clogged and needing replaced all the time. Because, I mean, if you, the smaller your filter, yeah. the more likely it's, it's going to capture dust and other stuff that's also there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's an interesting question. We are sure speculating a lot today. It's fun to speculate, isn't it? That's when I've been trying to tell you all the time. More detail if you're interested and come back, because I know two of the people that use them. So I, I would actually you. be very interested. Yeah, I would love more detail. And I'm going to have to start asking around here in the States, because, I mean, um, I was under the impression you had to be pretty big to do that. So. I mean, if it's true that you get some value out of it, then I have to imagine that people are going to be starting to use them more and more. And, you, you know, you're uh, cutting down on global warming, right? At the same time, <laughs> yeah, you get, you get to feel good gases. about yourself. You can stick that little badge on the front of the building saying, look how green we are. <laughs> Customers will come in. I mean, the funny thing is that there, there is a sort of concerted effort uh, to, to, make, uh, to make everyone feel bad about the carbon dioxide we're using, where really the, main, the, the real problem are these huge industrial applications. You know, if oh, everyone, yeah. if every single individual didn't do anything about their carbon dioxide, it really wouldn't make a dent compared to just, you know, getting one or two industries. Well, what to... about that giant methane leak that's in that underground storage thing? What? There's an no under... un... like the underground they had a pressurized underground methane storage. Who's they? Cavern. Do you want me to stop and look it up on the internet <laughs> I, right now? I thought you knew. I don't remember, but there's there was an under you know how they store helium oh, yeah. underground in caverns? I have to ask you. Greg, you don't have to prove how smart you are today. I'm not. Shut the fuck up. I swear to God. And it begins. No. But they, so there's a there's a well somewhere. You know, I'm leaving. Goodbye. 
Good. <laughs> I'll drink the higher math by myself. Um, there's an underground well somewhere, kind of like how they store helium, where they were storing methane. And it cracked and started spurting out, like, and, like, tons and tons of methane is escaping yeah. into the atmosphere. And, they, and the people that are running the well, which is probably Exxon or someone, but I can't recall is like it's gonna be several months before we can get this fixed and it's like doing like mountains of methane every hour that's so funny because like you know when, when there's a there's an oil spill you know a little tiny oil leak in, in the in the ocean like oh my god blah 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 and uh when <laughs> and if there's a little big a huge methane leak but it's not in the ocean people are like oh, fuck it. hey guys it was there's a link tweeted greg tweeted the link into the chat oh the Hangouts chat. We there we have, go. We don't have good access into the Hangouts chat, yeah. or good visibility. The screen's very far away. Yeah, true. And, and that's Greg's computer. So. Why engineers can't stop Los Angeles' enormous methane leak. We'll have to look at that. So look at, um, do a search for why engineers can't stop <laughs> Los Angeles' enormous methane leak, or something to the same on Google. I'm sure you'll find. It's the holidays. Of course you're not going to stop it. They don't want to work. <laughs> All right, I need to find the window. That... <laughs> Hang on, window. There we, there we are. Right, Yay. We're back. Um, so we were talking about um, purchases in New Zealand. We didn't get the Peter for Australia, and I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, so, Peter, do you have any um, knowledge of breweries, purchases, Australia, that kind of thing? Currently, no, there's nothing in the news, certainly. Um, it's nothing. I actually work for the, our national airline, and I'm in California every other week. Um, oh. So I get to oh. hear more about the States than I do about Australia, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> okay. Hence, I have things like this, which don't exist in Australia. There's right. no way. You can I, I figured you had a hookup. You were either a trader or something. Yeah. But so, it... I'm a, trader! Yeah, I'm <laughs> Yeah. So I, I fill up my bags uh, with beer every time I, I'm, I'm oh, a bit lucky awesome. in that way. But I uh, know there's nothing about, uh, there's no news at the moment about breweries. There's a lot of uh, microbreweries in Melbourne particularly. We're famous for food and coffee, and we're now becoming also much more widely known for our breweries. And uh, there's a lot. There's really a, a lot of Ooh. Is oh, that the, us or him? No, that, that, that was him. The, uh, the undersea cable uh, got flooded there. Uh, Look at your porn download in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I accused yeah. these guys of when they first got on. It's always the porn that's tying up the Well, I'll tell you what, Peter. If you can make it to, to the East Coast, and also, Steve, this goes for you too. If you, if you want to come by somebody, there's a there's a seat for you. Uh, Greg can tell Absolutely. you about Thank you so much. I'll uh, I've only started listening to you guys in the last sort of six or eight months, but I've listened to your back catalogue a lot. I walk my dog. I feel sorry. He <laughs> needs a lot of walking, and I, I spent a couple of hours listening to you guys on old podcasts. I, I love it. So oh, thanks. I'll, uh, if I get over to the East Coast, I'll definitely be, uh, be trying to hook up with you. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy the show, especially yeah. some of our... Uh... Well, well, Greg can tell you, uh, our dynamic is even better than your live. Oh, yeah. They play on Cards Against Humanity, I think. <laughs> I played it yesterday for the first time. The Australian version, it's fantastic. Oh, really? I got to see the Australian version. That, that sounds Cut fun. Cut the box top yeah. open. The US version, there's a hidden card in the box top. Really? Oh. Uh-huh. I had no oh. idea. I, I, that's the version I have. I'll have to check. I probably threw out the <laughs> box because I have, a, I have my own like cardboard things for it. So. <laughs> 
Want, want. Hey, Peter, um, Melbourne, Hello. you're in Melbourne, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peter, you're in Melbourne, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so Mountain Goat, they were they purchased recently? Oh, were they? That's passed me by. Hang on, I'll, I'll find out. I'm sure it was, and it was somebody unlikely too. Oh, okay. Uh, like Lion. Or not like Lion. They were. Do, um, might have been that. I'm not sure. Oh, it's a, a couple so, of massive breweries so, here who make very poor beer, like Bud and Coors and Miller, and yeah. But I no, that that doesn't make that obviously hasn't made mainstream news. Here's an interesting <laughs> question: Do you guys think? Because I I think this might happen. Do you think that uh, some of the soda companies, Coke and Pepsi, might get into the, to the alcohol game? Because I think that, especially with sodas being you know sugar and all that stuff, it is starting to be. Health-wise, people are starting to question it. I think they might look into the alcohol game as, as possibly a way to go. Why? Well, they distribute them, I think the question would be, do. why have they yeah. never, yeah. right? I mean... I think they have. At least Pepsi has. I know Pepsi has been involved in some alcoholic stuff. At you. least I really think they have. I'm not sure. I mean, I could imagine there was probably times in like the 1920s that they might have put out alcoholic cola or something. But, you know... I don't know why would why would a company, well Pepsi, you know they're both owned. I think Coke's Coca Cola, Pepsi isn't that part of a bigger company now. No, Pepsi yeah. is huge. Pepsi owns a lot of companies. Pepsi okay. owns like Taco Bell yeah. and. Oh, no, right. they sold it. Oh, they sold it. Okay, well they own they, they still own stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, it's an interesting thought. I, you know, there's, I don't know what to say because there's not really any kind of precedence yeah. of of someone like you know some big beverage company going into the beer business. Um, I guess they're board of directors. And you figure Anheuser-Busch, mm. if someone's going to do it on a big scale, Anheuser-Busch is already up to speed on it. So, But if you can just get in by buying a couple places, yeah, who knows? Maybe. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, with um, Mountain Goat and, and the New Zealand breweries, Greg mentioned earlier, it sounds like these, are, even news or not, you know, it's it's going on it's worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, the link Greg sent me from New Zealand, he's absolutely correct. In September this year, Mountain Goat in Melbourne was bought by Asahi. Asahi? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, I believe that, that's Asahi that owns Lion. Um, so they effectively own Emerson's as well. Parent company. The, yeah. uh, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, you hear when a brewery buys a brewery, but you often don't hear when a brewery takes money from private equity or something right, like that. Right, right. Like I just learned a couple months ago that Oscar Blues had given up ownership stake in some of their mm-hmm. you know, yeah. partial ownership stake. Wow. I, I mean, I knew they were expanding like nuts, but I saw no news about them taking investment. Right. Everyone's concerned about, about the big brewers doing it. And, and I understand the concern because, you know, 10, 15 years ago when there was a, a smaller craft beer boom, but it was really more of a fad than anything else, uh, they definitely um, – oh, do we have another – do we have somebody else coming in? Yeah. Hey, Jason. You're, uh, you're, you're muted. Eight. Twice, yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. Jason. Oh, it's Jason Casino. Hey, welcome. How you doing? What are you drinking, Jason? Uh, Trade IPA. We have somebody else coming in. Glad you could join us. Uh, I think that's everyone. Yeah. Oh, we have somebody else who just joined. Don't know who it is. No, that's just no, Peter. we just lost Peter. Yeah, we oh, lost okay. Peter. And I'm back. Hey. I followed the link to... Greg sent me from uh, Hamilton, and I and I lost your uh, I lost the, the link completely. All right, All Jason, right. where are you again? 
Minnesota. Minnesota. So we have uh, Greg from New Zealand. Steve is from Columbus, Ohio. Peter's from Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much all these guys were on last year except for Peter. So you guys may remember each uh, other. <laughs> I, I think I missed last Happy year. I, you. <laughs> I think I was hung over. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> so what were we talking about? Um, uh, we were talking about uh, brewery purchases and yeah. whatnot, especially in New Zealand. Uh, question while we're wrapping this up uh greg and peter do you happen to know like the percentage of uh, craft beer compared to uh, uh, macro beer in your countries the last figure i had was 12 percent. oh okay that's, sorry that's... well I'm... what was the question <laughs> question and don't don't no worries if you don't know it but uh you know how big is craft relative to the beer market in australia do you know No, I don't because I move in very small circles. Okay, no problem, no problem. I'm, and <laughs> My you're, you're... circle, eight <laughs> percent. But uh, yeah, really, I honestly, I, I, I can't answer that. Okay, you know, US is is about ten percent. New Zealand's twelve. So I was just curious. I'm surprised New Zealand is is uh, well, pretty small population. But uh, I'm surprised yeah, it's up over twelve. Metric for it. Yeah, it, that includes things like Monteiths and. Uh, whatever lions uh, max which are generally not considered craft beer here they're like oh, what would you call them <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know what you call them <laughs> they're, no they're not monteith's is pretty awful uh, max are okay, <laughs> okay sorry some of their new stuff coming out is uh, better than the bulk standard bulk nice. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know all the monteith stuff tastes like bananas so. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and that was how Greg was sued for defamation. Anyway, <laughs> can't right. argue with that. I'm trying to think of some other interesting stuff. So we have a dogfish head here, right? We do. This is their 20th anniversary beer. The, the interesting thing to me is that they're, they're not making 61 minutes anymore. Did you? I saw that in in something on the the Reddit uh, beer thing. And okay. it, it seems like I like 61 Minutes a lot. Yeah, I mean, I had it when I was out there this summer. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised they uh, canned it. Maybe it just wasn't moving enough. It was good Maybe. beer. Yeah. I so didn't follow the link, but they just announced their 2016 releases. So yeah. maybe a capacity issue versus a, it was a good beer That could issue. be. That could be, because um, they do beers on an alternating cadence and things like that so maybe mm-hmm. it'll be coming back in the future um they also have occasional rarities they call them you know as they come back you know just on a whim this is higher math it's a uh, it's like seven, with 17 percent chocolate and sour cherry juice seven 17 percent well you know salad cow Good night, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, wait! Do you see what we have for 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 New Year's when it happens? <laughs> so, what do you guys think about stuff? I probably should have left some of the beer in the bottles, but I probably should have done. Too late now. <laughs> Too late now. Let me get the funnel out. I should have just poured half the bottle. Um. I got Star Wars stuff to talk about. If you know, what I mean. <laughs> have you guys all seen Star Wars? Yeah, I have. Uh, physics, <laughs> physics. I, mean, I have an interesting thing to talk about because you mentioned the oh, Greg, you're being smart. Um, 
Oh shit, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, it's, it, it's not. I'm not actually talking about physics, or I'm not talking about the actual physics, but sort of it, it's. Hey, Tom. Hey, we got Tom coming. Tom, you with us? Yeah, I was just knocking off the mute. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Oh, Tom. I don't know. I didn't know Tom's real name. That's tonight's beer is. Yeah. Selection. What are you drinking? <laughs> a little Omegang Rosetta. Oh, okay. all right. Where are you from? Where, where are you calling from? Delaware. Delaware. Good. So we got Greg from New Zealand, Steve from Columbus, Ohio, Peter from Melbourne, Australia, Jason from Minnesota. Where are you in New Zealand, Greg? Where's the... Uh... Uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. You'll need a map. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here, here's a few things I just want to talk about because I mentioned this on on the thing. Um, Einstein ruined physics. That <laughs> it, it, it's not he didn't ruin. It. I mean, he's here's the thing. So like Einstein, unquestionably like a genius, right? Um, also a really weird guy, but super passionate, passionate about like passionate about the stuff that he really cared about and did not give a shit about anything he didn't care about. The problem, I think, is that we have this thing in our heads that people who who study physics or, or, or look at physics have to be geniuses to do it. And I don't think that's true. I, I mean, I don't, you know, Jeff made a joke about it. I really don't think I'm much smarter than anybody else. I don't. I think I'm an average intelligence at best. I can learn this stuff. Anyone can if they're interested. If you're not interested in it, you're not going to know. But it, it's just like... People who can do an instrument, I can't do it. I, I can't play an instrument. People who are good at uh, at at building, you know, stuff, doing uh, construction, whatever. It's 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 all stuff that's you're not a genius just because you do it. But we have this weird conception that people who do physics have to be geniuses to do it. And I don't think that's true at all. Math is hard. What? I think it's because math is hard, and I, you have to have math. You can't do physics without math. You have to. Don't have a math brain. You you do have to study math to do it, but I don't think math is hard. It, it's just it takes time to get the concepts down. Uh, but I I think that really if you if you care if you want to know them, there all the data is available, and it doesn't take it doesn't take a genius brain to do it. I mean, look at me. I I I'm understanding this stuff now. I'm not a genius. Math uh, is work. It is work. It is work. Yeah, and that's- it, it, it takes work to do it, but it's not a genius thing. There's nothing genius about it. There's nothing, you don't have to be smart to know this stuff. You don't have to be like a super smart person to know this. You do have to be motivated, though. Yes. Like you have, yeah, and, and you have that, and I really admire it. And, and I, you know, I was joking before when I said I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> I, I love when you on your math pick. I love hearing the physics stuff. Sometimes it goes way over me. Sometimes it makes me want to go and look stuff up, and I have. But I often hit a, a brick wall where I think I need to spend six months figuring out the math for this before I'll get it. I mean, uh, it is, and, I, and I don't have that at the moment. So it is true that I spent a lot of time learning these things. And if you, if you listen back to the older pre-shows, when I started, I didn't know nearly as much as I do now, and I said some dumb things uh, that uh, because I didn't know, um, like string theory isn't science. It's it's science. It's it's not physics. It doesn't reflect reality, but it's definitely science. We're learning stuff about math and how this stuff works. So there's there's lots of um, really interesting stuff that I've learned 
going through this process. And like anybody, like when you're when you're learning something, you you make opinions, and then you find out later, oh, this is, I I didn't see the whole scope of what I was talking about before, uh, and I came to a to an irrational conclusion. I came to a conclusion right away without knowing what I was really talking right. about. Can we pull this back to beer? Sure, t- right. pull it back. So. Um... I want to talk a little bit about beer trends, and I got a seed to start this going. Uh, everyone, go to um, look up Trogue's new logo. Oh yes, okay. So Trogue's just did a rebranding, Trogue's Brewing, and um, if you want to pull up T R O E G S, yeah, do like a Google image. Well, pull up their website so you get their new logo. Then do a Google image search so you can see their old logo, and just I'm not going to say anything, but see if you can notice a, a oh, big wow. difference. Yeah, it's it's the it's the hops. They're missing from the logo. It's not the hops. Well, the hops are missing. <laughs> it also looks like a guitar pick. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking it was a guitar pick straight away to me. Yeah. Art of Troll. I like it. You like it or not? I do like it. I, I do, do like, like it. it. It's it's compressed and it has a you know it, it gets the point across the, a lot easier. The thing that I find interesting is the tagline because you know I've known Trogs for my entire craft beer drinking mm. life, right? See, I just said the word, right? They took the word craft out of their logo. Now they're just calling it independent brewing or independent brewer, I think is what it says, right? I think that they're stressing the independent as opposed to craft. Right, right. But there's been a lot of discussion lately about what does craft mean? Mm -hmm. Is is craft still a good term? Well, this is a perfect thing to ask our our peanut gallery. Yes. Peanuts. Because I, I, you know, I, I don't have any peanuts. I'll let you. I'll let you guys go first. I have, have something that I've thought about that I want to right. talk about, but I don't want to spoil. What the do you guys discussion. feel about craft? About the word craft? Does it belong anymore? No, kill it. Kill it's it. long dead. There's beer. There's beer we like, and there's beer we don't like, and that's how it should be. So that's kind of like what Greg Cook said about Stone, right? They need to stop calling fizzy yellow stuff beer and calling it fake beer, and stop calling craft beer. <laughs> craft beer and calling it beer so I think even, everyone. it's too hard line on that i think you know if, if your thing is fizzy industrial yellow lager and that's what you want to drink there's nothing wrong with that and people yeah. shouldn't put you down because of it american it cheese be... is still cheese well sure well maybe a cheese I product i'll never eat it again <laughs> that's not saying other people can't mm-hmm. no I, I, I think the fizzy yellow stuff is still beer and, and i've you know it's it's really funny if I look back because I was very much a, a snob when I started. Now I can drink that stuff. I'm fine. It doesn't really bother me. Uh, in, in fact, <laughs> sometimes I kind of I kind of appreciate just all right. Here's a plain old industrial beer, and and it actually it actually works in some cases. Oh yeah, I had a bottle of Soul two days ago, and it was nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. I've had because that happen had, to me a couple I, times. I've I had. Know. <laughs> yeah, I've had, you know, you know, my dad has Iron City in the fridge, right? If I'm working on a car in my dad's driveway, mm-hmm. Iron City tastes pretty good. Yeah, the, it's it's funny, you know, as your as your palate expands, you actually can learn to appreciate the stuff that you once hated, because yeah, it's bland. It, it's not, you know, an exceptional flavorful beer, but you could actually still pick stuff out that you enjoy. Well, I, that's yeah. I think that's part of it. You know, when you develop your palate, you're able to find the the nuance mm-hmm. if you will you know the the subtle flavors that i never tasted previously and mm-hmm. you can actually see how it actually tastes like a beer yeah. instead of just yeah. like a tinny mouthful of pennies you know? right. 
<laughs> the more you have these, uh, these, I still don't like Yingling. Lots of flavor. The, the the more the ones that don't have flavor actually become nuanced, if you like. You go back to them and you go, oh, actually, because I had everything in the past, everything was tasted the same. Right, you go right. back to it as an individual. It's like actually, this is quite special. Had uh, Lovenbro, you know the German, sure, the, sure. millions of them all over Europe. Lovenbrow, like yes. we say Lovenbrow, Lovenbro, fantastic beer. But ten years ago, I would have thought, man, it's just a lager, you know. Right. No, I so agree with you exactly. Like, I, I've been visiting it after a lot of IPAs or some good stouts, and it's actually a good beer. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah, I have the same opinion. I, I've tasted some some beers that I expected to just be buckets of piss and and i'm like oh it yeah, tastes like really? beer and and you know uh-huh. there's some neat nuance in there so not what i would spend money on and drink all the time but... i still think Coors light's a piece of shit and and uh oh, really? <laughs> sure and corona is just ugh. any other comments on craft lime, lime is good <laughs> i'd add that the uh definition of craft beer is obviously gonna need to evolve as oh yeah breweries have have sold out and so what is defined as craft beer, which has always, I think, been a contentious uh, discussion, um, will continue to evolve. You know, look at somebody like Lagunitas and, and the, the market share that they have nationally. The, the, the equation, I think, uh, I think it's interesting, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, the, the, the average Joe on the street defines craft beer as, as flavorful versus not flavorful. Yeah, I think I you're agree. right. So there's 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 a problem with the definition of craft beer because there's actually an industry an organization that defines craft beer for their uses, right? The Brewers Association. We generally gotcha. have a pretty good um, relationship with the Brewers Association. They're great people. Uh, you know, Greg and I are more about good beer than craft beer, right? right? So we don't care. Which is about... weird because there's shows on craft beer radio. Well, I know. Well, there's already the good beer <laughs> show, right? So right. we couldn't take that when we started this show. Um, but, uh, you know, so I've been thinking about this a little bit. Like, is our name still a good name for the show? And, you know, there's so we much. We can't change yeah. it now. It's well, been 10 years. Yeah, I don't want to get into a conversation about our name. But, you know, Jason <laughs> mentioned the definition, right? And I think there almost needs to be two definitions, right? There's the BA definition. And then there's the there's casual. There's a legal definition. Well, the casual yeah, definition, yeah, right? Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, I made a tweet today. I was... Um, I got I got a rant. I'll, I'll save that for later. But I made a tweet today. Someone was asking about craft beer, and you know, kind of use an analogy of you know, it's kind of craft beer is like snow for the Inuit, right? Where one word isn't enough. You need mm. you need dozens of words to describe what yeah, kind of craft that. beer it is. So that. so I think we need to evolve the word into many words or something like that. We need more detail around the beers that we're drinking. All right. Session. What do you guys think? New words for craft. Let's go. <laughs> oh, okay. We're Brainstorming gonna, session. We're going to knock this out right now. Yeah, huh? exactly. Brainstorming session. No wrong answers. Just, just shout out what you think. Special? Special. Special. Special brew. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that a St. Ides thing? St. Ides special brew? Or something? Yeah. <laughs> Alsberg is the one I was thinking of. The eight and a half percent. Yeah, I'm not sure what the answer is going to be here. I mean, you got artisanal, but I mean that's that's that ship is like already sailed. That one's already more corrupted than craft beer. I think. I, well, it applies to a lot of things, right? I yeah. mean, you can say artisanal, and it's it's like the the organic label, right? It doesn't mean anything, so you can oh. throw it on anything. Oh, actually, uh-huh. I just I just saw 
Draft Magazine was like retweeting some of their um, old articles, and Stan Hieronymus wrote an article. It was either back, I think it was back in May, about this whole craft thing and the breweries being bought. And back in May, a lot of these more recent purchases hadn't happened, right? The billion dollar and the Lagunitas deal and all that stuff hadn't happened. And um, some of the people he was talking to, some marketing beer, you know, industry people and stuff like that. And just like there was the greening of products, with you know, green mm-hmm. eco friendly products. There's the craft. Ising of products, you know, across the across the market. That's a good word, craftizing. And um, you know, not just beer, right? But all kinds of uh, craft. Well, right, craft yeah. distilled spirits, craft cheese, mm, craft cheese, mm, craft. <laughs> mm, craft dinner. Um, so they were talking about that a bit, right? And and it so it's part of craft's definition of the word craft is a. Uh, brand identity that is marketing brand identity and then you know it can go down to a specific definition of people that are in the club for the brewers association and then it can just in generally mean beer that is better than the mass market beer you know that kind of thing right and well but if you apply to a bunch of things yeah it's hard to lose it's it's purpose it and and I don't know it, it's it's a it's a tough one. Anybody have any interesting words? Well, let me throw this at you: as um, you have more minimum uh, legal drinking age people coming into the equation, they don't look at beer in in terms of craft versus non-craft. They just look at beer, and they know what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy. And I think the 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 terminology is is probably more oriented towards older folks than um, newer folks and as uh, demographics change I think the the impact of the term uh, is reduced when I was a kid beer sucked and we had to call it craft beer <laughs> that's a really Precisely. really really good point because yeah. there's you know we look at it like uh, you know what we grew up with beer being this other thing and now we have right. this other thing so we have to just differentiate it whereas people who are growing up now they don't have that differentiation it's just beer there's many qual there are many types of beer. It's like when we grew up, you know, there was uh there was cheese and then there's now other cheeses available right. and you know, maybe it was artisanal cheese for a while, artisanal breads, and now it's just no, you go to the you go to the supermarket and there's a huge thing of cheeses, a huge thing of different types of bread. So it's just bread now, and there are a whole bunch of different ones. And the same thing happens with beer, I think. I think it's yeah, a very I, good I think point you're right. Say. When you grow up in the environment where People that are coming into drinking age now, the environment's completely different than when you and I came into drinking age. And, you know, it's much more likely just a group of peers going out or exposed to the craft beers. And they either drink it or they don't based on preference. But, you know, it's all inclusive in the groups, like Jason said. Especially when every, you know, almost every tap now has something craft on it. It, it's not the case where it used to be, you know, when we started where there was just Miller and Budweiser and maybe a Coors. And maybe if you're lucky, a Sam Adams. It's it's so different. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to add to that point that there's definitely one of the minimum age consumer goes into a bar. They have many more choices than they did, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so I think beer is just beer. And I think uh, debating uh the terminology is semantics amongst geeks. I think it's an excellent point. So, so Jason, do you think... 
Do yeah. you? So Jason works in the industry. You know, for the people that are listening, who might not remember. And um, so, do you? Can can you put? Uh, uh, you know, on craft beer's headstone, the date that the name becomes irrelevant. Like, how how many more years do you think we have? I really don't know. I think the the jumping off point for me was a few years ago. Um, a brewery in Minnesota talked about the fact that they um, started in 1986, and when they celebrated their 21st anniversary, they said, "You know, think about the fact that people that are in drinking age didn't grow up in a world where craft beer wasn't available." So that to me was kind of my my mental jumping off point of, of going, you know, we we're, we're kind of caught in the past when we sit and worry about defining craft beer. It's it's a good point. I, I yeah, it's a really good point. It's something that I don't think we haven't really considered, but I think it's a very good point. I have to expand on Jason's thing is that the the younger consumers now are growing up with choices. Uh, Fifty seventy five years ago. There were bakers and butchers in every town, mm-hmm. and then the market switched to the mass market, the big box stores, to where you had a Walmart or a, a Sam's Club. Or, I mean, and now it's morphing back into the consumer doesn't want that prepackaged cut steak; they want what mm-hmm. they want, and they'll pay for it. That's no, they're not going to. They're not doing that twenty four seven, three sixty five. They'll they'll go to a Walmart, get what they need, and then go to the the craft butcher or, or the baker, and get what they want. It's the same thing with beer. Is that that a hundred years ago, every town or every municipality had a brewery, may not have been good, but there wasn't the distribution that, that we had now. Mm-hmm. But then all these things got consolidated, and we're seeing it morph back into it. Is the Anheuser Bushes and and everyone is being bought out. The the Heineken and, and are buying these people because guess what? They're keeping the name on it. Goose Island, for example. Yeah. Goose Island's expanded their, mm. their distribution phenomenally with that because before I travel the country for a hobby, and before if if you weren't within a state or two of Goose Island or, or Illinois, you didn't get Goose Island. Mm-hmm. Oh sure, we didn't get Goose Island until. You know, until uh, the purchase, yeah. Actually, much after the purchase, we yeah. didn't Goose Island until a year and a half ago, or so. True. Now, part of that's your stupid Pennsylvania stuff, but we won't go there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> but, that's true. But, that's true. But it's one of those. It's the consumer is going to dictate what the market does, and I think the consumers have grown up with an age of like they were saying. There's always been good beer. We called it craft beer. Right. They just mm-hmm. called it beer. It's going to fluctuate but i don't think in our lifetime that it'll go back to you'll have miller you'll have cores you'll have uh, yingling or whatever and and sam adams is that is that distant cousin in the back room we're, we're going to have what we have because no one wants to support the macro climate or culture anymore so you just uh, mentioned I, sam adams I, and i, I some steve's uh, comments there one is i think he's right on in that younger consumers will premium Premiumize for a better, lack of a better term. They'll trade off to something better when they want to, um, and they'll they'll buy something lesser when they're when they're feeling um, frugal. And then the second thing would be, um, you know, you, you talk back a hundred years. Think about the the logistics of selling beer a hundred years ago. Well, the reason national brands didn't exist a hundred years ago was because it was difficult. 
there were very few and their market share was very small because mm -hmm. they couldn't deliver fresh beer to the market to the same rate that a local brewer could. So I think that's a very important recognition that, um, you know, the market has changed where small brewers again can deliver that local, that, that fresh beer that they couldn't for a period of time, call it from the sixties to the eighties where there was, you know, there was a, there was a quality gap probably on the small producer side where they didn't have the ability to, um, low cost, um, forward infrastructure to support quality. And I think that, that technology has provided that opportunity for small brewers to, um, bring quality to the market and that fresh beer character as well. That's an interesting point. Cause we just, on, on the last show we did the Sam Adams, um, the rebel raw, which we got sent like right away. And then we tried it a month later and it was missing something. There was definitely something that was, I mean, we didn't really love the rebel raw, but we definitely felt there was something missing from the month old version than there was from the fresh version. Yeah. So if you guys weren't, uh, if you guys didn't listen or, you don't recall. Uh, Sam Adams like overnighted us two 16 ounce cans of Rebel Raw. Rebel Raw is like their heady topper, like killer type thing. And it was canned on a Thursday and sent it. They had it, it was delivered on a Friday and they asked us to drink it that weekend. <laughs> they they sent it in cold packs. They sent it really... with ice packs yeah. and everything. It was nutso. And uh, when we reviewed it, it was kind of a cacophony of like hops and resins and yeah. stuff. It really wasn't a great IPA. It was confused. It was definitely confused. And we just drank it uh, in the pre-show last week. And, and it was still pretty hoppy, but it wasn't like as gritty and green and fresh as it was, you know, a month ago. So, I mean, we just, we kind of did that just to see what a month would do on it. Um, to see if, if it was worth it. Since we're talking it, about Sam Adams... I want to what hear what. To that? Yeah, go ahead. I guess what I would say is think about the fact that a, a brewery like Sam Adams or Boston Beer Company and the quality control processes they have in place, the technology they have in place to deliver that beer. Now think about somebody brewing on a smaller scale and their beer aged, you know, 30, 60, 90 days. Yeah, right. That's pretty impressive. It is. So what do you guys think about Samuel Adams? You know, I, I feel that we, um, you know, we don't rave about everything they drink, but they are making everything they make, but they're making good stuff. And when we find something good, we want people to know about it. Yeah. Price point is often good. But, you know, there's all these stories about craft beer and the craft beer drinkers or the, the new beer drinkers leaving Sam Adams behind because they're this big, stodgy company that makes Boston Lager. And, you know, we got a few people on the line here. So uh, what are your thoughts about Sam Adams? I I think they put out a lot of good things. The um, the one mm -hmm. thing I did finally stop doing though was getting suckered into the whole oh there's a there's a new uh, beer in this seasonal pack so yeah. buying yeah. the whole pack I, I finally stopped being that sucker and <laughs> I'll buy their stuff if they put it out as single things like especially those uh, there were ones that were in a Nicer shaped twenty-two. Right, the barrel room bottle. collection. Those guys, yeah. yeah, 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 and yeah, the uh, the sours too. Um, they were kind of in that bell-shaped one. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I totally believe the best beer I've ever had was the Sam Adams beer. Um, the the cosmic motherfucker. The, the, the cosmic motherfucker, and um, and that says a lot 
about the brewery. That that that's, that's not to say that they don't make some beers that I'm really not a fan of. But uh-huh. how they putting up making every Christmas beer? Oh God! But <laughs> they clearly have ability to make awesome stuff. At least yeah. in my opinion. Anyone else have an opinion on Sammy Adams? I'm a huge fan. But last one. <laughs> I, I love it. I love the fact that it's you know it's there. You go to the airport. There's not much else to drink but the Sam Adams. <laughs> I'll drink that. <laughs> well, that's going to change now, especially with all these breweries getting bought by by bigger breweries, right? I mean, you're going to see now Ballast Point and um, and even maybe like Elysian. 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 Yeah. Wouldn't in, it be in, great to see Ballast Point sculpting cans on an airplane? Oh god, that'd holy be awesome. shit, that'd be awesome. We just want to see it in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I assume you're going to get them soon. If you can get habanero sculpting. <laughs> I have. I got a bottle of the fruit <laughs> right now, and I also have the grapefruit. I'm going to combine them. <laughs> I've heard that's good. I've heard to combine them fifty-fifty, and the grapefruit and the habanero, and it's. Uh, I'll let you know. That's uh, probably right. pretty special. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else want to talk about Sam Adams before we retire this line of questioning? I, Sam Adams, I think they're making. Is it possible that they make too many beers? Yes, it is possible they make too many beers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the 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 seasonals, the, the I should say their special seasonals, are very good. But then you have winter lager coming out in August. Well, you know they're they're really marketing to two different groups, right? Right. Winter lager is marketing to the the neophyte uh, better beer drinker. You know the ones that are going to see the winter lager commercial on TV and be like, "Oh, I like Sam Adams. Let's try the winter lager." And then you know Tetravis. The Barrel Room Collection or something like that is their attempt to try to get the people that are on this call and people that listen to our show to, mm-hmm. to buy their beers. Um, mm. I do think they make too many of the bombers and special. And and like like I just said, Tetravis, I, I don't care for that beer. I think that one is not really spot on. But you know, some of the other ones. Um, and then we well, just look, did... I mean, we, we, we did seven brewery beers in a row, right? And... Mm-hmm. They there was only one of them that was that was really good. Yeah, Greg's talking about the brewery in Orange yeah. County. We did the you know we every show for eight seven shows we did or uh, six shows. Yeah, we did um, one of their Christmas beers, and uh, they were all different. But yeah, some of them were not ex- not that good. So uh, I do think they make too many beers. I don't know too many. It depends on what side you're arguing, right? Because someone who thinks that Sam Adams is too slow to do something interesting and just makes Boston lager and you tell them that they make, you know, 35, 40 beers a year. Um, Going is... down from 17 to 10, I see. Well, <laughs> check out the vintage on it. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a little warm too, so. It's oh, a 2004 it's, it's, it's Bigfoot. A, it's a 2004 Bigfoot. <laughs> oh, wow. It's probably oxidized as hell, but... Um... <laughs> It has the uh, uh, it has a twist off cap. Here we go. Oh boy! Let's twist this puppy off. Ouch! Thing of the past, right there. There we go. <laughs> they got rid of the twist offs, you know, several years yeah. ago, mm-hmm. and I expect this is pretty oxidized. You this, got the perfect bottle. It, this, it was perfectly sealed. This beer has been in the cellar since I remember, Greg, when we had that <laughs> barley wine tasting. It's oxidized. We didn't, talk, we didn't talk about this higher math from Dogfish. This was pretty interesting. It was really good. I liked it, it a good. lot. It had really malty, had some interesting roast, uh, kind of roast caramel character. Um, had a little bit of like Aztec chocolate type character mm-hmm. to it. 
That was good. All right, give this a, give this a, a whiff. Two thousand four. <laughs> it, it smells a little. Uh, there's there's some. That. I'll be right back. <laughs> there's some caramel. There's um. There's a little bit of like. There's definitely oxidation. Like wet leaves. Yeah. Like wet leaves. Oh, that's a good call. Soy sauce. Oh, Tibet. Yeah, yeah. For sure, like a really deep raspberry, like a raspberry molasses almost. Actually, it's better than I think I would have thought. It's it's not cardboardy. Oh yeah, Ooh, that is big good. maple syrup. That is good. That worked out. Wish well. you guys were here. <laughs> we'll put the Xylus stopper on that one. Save that for later. Did you guys see this? What's that? The year. Oh, Hardy is there. What's that? Uh, where Where's the year at? Oh, there. Oh, oh there three. Twenty three. <laughs> and I, I opened one of these last year. I've got uh, half a dozen still in the cupboard. Whoa. I opened one last year, and it was fantastic. So I might try that again later. One of the um, the bars here in town, the Sharp Edge, they have a seller of old of Thomas Hardy's that are like like they have like an eighty five that you can get for like three hundred bucks. Can I borrow your credit card? <laughs> <laughs> Come visit. I'll I'll open them for you. I've got three, four, five, six. <laughs> but this was an eighty-five. Oh, I've had a seventy-five. I've had one of the year I was born. Hang on a sec. I can show you. <laughs> <laughs> now we're showing off empty bottles. <laughs> oh, yeah, the rest of the night. <laughs> hey, look! Here's a bottle of milk. I got milk. <laughs> oh yeah, you should. You... I, I'm proud of this one. <laughs> yeah, I think Tom wins with yeah, the uh, the beer Tom, store yeah. behind him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We do have milk, though. That is a special beer. <laughs> it's a That's beer from milk. A Japanese beer with uh, milk in it. Yeah, and it was good. It was good. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was good. This is really good. This 2004 Bigfoot. This is a lot better than I would expected. The oxidation has gone from cardboard, and it really takes you into this mapley molasses thing. This mm-hmm. is really, really good. Because someone, someone, a lot of soy, a touch of tobacco. It's really good. Someone tweeted me asking me if it was, you know, still good to sell it. I'm like, no, twelve years is is too old. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought six to eight years was the sweet spot, but this is good. It's, I, it, I think it, it's kind of a, it's a crapshoot. It I'm probably not, is. I'm not sure if you're going to get this kind of flavor, but it, it is really nice. It definitely has a. There's an, also almost an ashy quality to it. Uh, so you know, it feel it definitely tastes mm-hmm. old, uh, but it works. Chicken Does beer. it have any carbonation? A little bit, a little bit, L- not much, but a little bit. That's what I found with twist offs is when you get past that five seven year range, you start losing that carbonation. Yeah, I mean, it just has a little. It doesn't taste flat or still. There's enough carbonation in there, but uh, it, it's definitely mm-hmm. not. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. It's it just you know. it's not strong. There's there's enough to tickle your tongue. There's enough to to give it some a little bit of life. It's not like a cask ale or something like that. But it has. But it, it's very low in terms of pressure. Cool. All right. So we want to talk about uh, trends, like 2016 predictions, trends. That's things a good like idea. That? Any any thoughts? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. More cans. 
More cans. More cans, absolutely. I, I think that's a good trend, absolutely. I think we've hit peak can here in New Zealand. Everything is in a can now. Not everything. Not like Belgian triples, are they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> wow. Lowly carbonated Belgian triples. I mean, triples. most beers should be in a can. Not all, yeah. but most should be. I mean, if you, I, I think you're right. I mean, my, I kind of mentioned this today on Twitter, right? It's cans for all beers except for ones that need that high mm-hmm. level of carbonation. The mm-hmm. ones that go into the thick Belgian bottles. I think uh, everything uh, else have, you, have you seen the, the really strong double wall steel cans that they put them, some of the highly carbonated ones? I have not. No. I know Asahi's in a steel can. That's a really strong can. Yeah. It's, it's no, Sapporo. Strong. Sapporo is the one that's in the strong can. Uh, but like, I'll, I'll bring you guys over one in um, in April, May, whenever I'm coming. I can't remember. I'll, oh, I'll great! Put one of the yeah, he's going to Philly for the um, oh, Philly Brewery, CBC. Ah, cool. so we might have to take a jaunt across the state. Well, if we have to do, we have yeah, to do it. Not. I mean, he's flying like ten thousand miles. We can go five hundred, four hundred. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> it's a really boring drive, Greg. <laughs> You don't know how boring the drive is. <laughs> well, actually, he does because he. Uh, you still working in um, Wellington? No, no. But see, I, I, I couldn't figure out what you were talking about the other day. I work in Auckland, which is Auckland. like an hour and a half north of here. Oh. I've got a little shoebox apartment up there, and I live there during the week. So. Oh, see, I thought. Okay. <laughs> Somehow, when, from when your message to when I went to Google Maps to see where the hell the city was, I switched it from Auckland to, to yeah. Wellington, apparently. We're America. We're in the I, land I, of Trump. We don't know anything about geography. <laughs> yeah, the way it read to me is that you were visiting Wellington and you were, uh, it was too far to drive. And I, I was drunk, so I didn't get back to you. But oh, <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I was, I was just, uh, yeah. You know, if we only spoke the, spoke the same language. Yeah, you're right, there are city highways here. It's like 100 miles or 500 miles. It's quite different. Yeah. Speaking of 500 miles, did you guys like our little commercial? That was awesome. Yeah. Stout. Stout. This is a stout. Yeah. Oh, it's so awful. <laughs> and fun. Uh, Tom said that we I should I should scrap the idea for shelf turds and and do beer parodies instead. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I want to hear death metal one. I want to hear death metal one for the next time. I, I kind of think the fun thing is that we only did it once. Like we'll, we'll come up with some other you know gimmick to do next time, and instead of just doing it, you know more songs. I mean, more. maybe we'll do it more songs again after we do like eight different different things. But I don't want to do constant song stuff. And my singing is so bad that it made Greg sound good. And that that's a tough that's tough to do because He's I'm not I'm not a good singer. Well. So yeah. All right, so trends. We got through cans before we hit that rabbit hole. <laughs> cans. I agree. I think I think cans are going to like. Yeah. Well, cans are going to dominate the market. I think. You know, we always talk about some of the virtues of cans of light mm-hmm. blocking, better oxygen seal, lighter, more recyclable. There's a, there's more a kind shelf of space. better on shelf space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, better yeah, it's, it's better for 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 um for moving right better for right stacking right. and and like to move it's also better for uh label display i feel okay okay more uh, more label because it's a yeah. cylinder yeah. yeah so i mean that's that you know that's another one i feel like i if you look at like i was trying to look at this today like best beer labels right 
and trying to find well, I mean, some good if you, examples. If you've got like a, a, a 12-ounce can, it's not going to be much bigger than this label, right? But look how look what percentage of that bottle is not labeled. Not a and lot. Not, if not, you look at, I mean, because the neck is tiny. If you look at surface area, I mean, the label is only four inches by four inches, and you got all this Greg, other stuff. From, from the top to the bottom, how much is labeled? Okay, yeah, that's true. Not surface. Yeah. Right. So on a can, the entire surface area is a label. Now, this isn't a great example because it's the logo and a title and some patterns, right? This, But some of the ones that do uh, logos that are kind of like a car wrap, where it's the whole thing, you get a ton of area to do some really interesting advertising. And um, I can see that. This isn't a great example either. No. This one's okay, but not a great example. Some of the cans from New Zealand have so much advertising on them, you can't get the whole thing in, a, in one photo. That's an interesting question. Are we gonna? Is it gonna be like NASCAR, where they're gonna put other, other advertisements on the can? <laughs> what you hey, need, Tom? To, what are you showing us? What you I need was to just do? Trying to say like stuff like this with like wrap completely around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? What? Exactly. What Ooh, you, love that brewery story on there. What? What's the? What's the can there? What's who's the brewery? Uh, Miss Spillion River. They're uh, kind of central Delaware. Milton. Milton. Yeah, I don't what think we've had there. that. What you need to do is use the panorama to kind of unwrap. The bottle. <laughs> yeah, really. exactly. It's not a great example, but I was trying to unroll the bottle with the panorama camera. Panorama camera. The other thing I'd add is that the uh, breweries love the uh, reduced weight in freight for their shipping yeah. charges. Cool. Right. With the gas yeah, prices yeah. where they're at now, that's not that big of an issue. But for a retailer, there's only so much space, and if you can get a case of beer in two six-packs high and two six-packs deep, that just gave you one more facing on a store shelf. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can have two cases of beer side by side, where if it was bottles, you'd only have one product in that same space. Yep. How do you guys feel about cans that are wrapped with either um, pressure-sensitive labels like this one or ones with the shrink wrap? Do, does, do you have any like gut feelings about those? Try to think about your subconscious. Does it mean anything to you? As long as the beer is good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm not seeing as many of those anymore, Jeff. I've never seen anything like that yet. <laughs> So, I mean, wow. it's probably a limited release, right? So they buy plain cans from Ball, and then they put on the, the pressure-sensitive you know, pressure sensitive label. That or they don't produce enough of that particular line that they need to um, go to that shrink wrap sleeve. Yeah. I, I, I know it's a small breweries that they, they can't produce, say, a seasonal line, or they can't produce enough to justify the cost of buying a semi-load of, uh, of cans, but they can justify the cost of adding the sleeve to it. Yeah, it could I be just, one of those canning, those portable cans. I just wonder if the consumer – so the question I asked when you were out was – and this is a hard question to ask, right? Because this is a subconscious thing that you almost have to do in like blind tests. Mm-hmm. But do people feel differently about cans with these stickers or with the shrink wraps on them than cans that are actually printed? Uh, my guess is until they touch them, no. 
Probably. Maybe when they touch him, they they, they they might feel different. But until they touch them, if they, if they look if they look at him, it's hard to tell. It, it could be the opposite, right? Especially for you know, oh, it must be a limited release. It must be more True. rare. That's a good point. Well, but but again, how much of your audience is, is yeah. going to be that? Yeah, I I kind of look at it too as being like knowing that they didn't have enough money to maybe be able to can if they weren't doing stuff like that. And it's kind of like, wow, I get their can then five years ago they never would have been able to put a can out yet without doing something like right, that. Right. So I always think it's kind of a nice thing that like, wow, I can have this beer and five years ago, I wouldn't have been able to. Right. Right. Now are cans okay for aging? Ooh, good question. Good question. You would expect so. But I mean like the, there, there's a polymer on the inside. Does that wear off after a certain uh, amount of age? Is that, does that get into the beer a little bit? I would tend to think no, but... Extremely non-reactive, so it shouldn't. But over like years and years and years, even if you're extremely non-reactive, a little bit of it's going to react. Especially if it's like an acidic beer or something, like a sour. I'd think more agitation, but that would be more destructive to the beer than the the coating of the can. Mm. There's also the, um, the fact that most of what we consider aging is the process of oxidation, right? And you're going to get far less of that. You're only going to get the DO coming out, you know, so you're only going to get what's already in the can interacting with the contents. So that could be a bad thing. Yeah, I think that would depend on style, right? You know, if you want something like this barley one, this Bigfoot to kind of get deliciously oxidized and then come past the cardboard and back into the syrupy maple Mm -hmm. You know, uh, sherry type things. Um, probably like the ideal for the... for aging is a cork because it'll allow some breathing. <clears throat> you want like low, low amounts, right? Yeah. So it's hard to say. Yeah, I'd, I'd, it'd be an interesting question. You'll have to get some uh, some canned barley ones. So I went out beer shopping just yesterday because I went into the cellar to put a bunch of stuff in the fridge for tonight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need to get some stuff. So I went to Giant Eagle, the local um, grocery store that has some decent craft beer. And I only found like two barley wines. I picked up two of the Ale Alesmith just came to Pittsburgh like three weeks ago. And um, so I picked up two numbskulls to throw in the cellar. Uh, but other than that, there was like nothing cellarable at Giant Eagle. They were kind of picked over. We drink a lot of booze. I was also at the liquor store the same day. And it was very picked over too, uh, so Pittsburgh is a lot. It's holidays. A lot yeah. of holidays booze. Is a bit, yeah, you're right. The holidays. You're right, Steve. It's a big thing. I'm gonna go grab another beer. Okay. Uh, any I other? Got to cut out for a little bit. I'll, I'll get back on a little bit later. Okay. Cool. But just in case it's it's not until after midnight. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year, Tom. Hey, Tom, take a nap so you don't fall asleep in front of the camera this year. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Do it Cheers. once a day. Label you. <laughs> Any other trends you guys have noticed or thinking about maybe 2016? I think the sours, the goes, the will continue. Yeah, the sours are – because it's a great way to get really flavor out of beer without adding a huge cost. Well, there is definitely a cost. I mean, there's a lot of kettle souring going on, which I find is a bit one-dimensional. But Mm -hmm. for the breweries that really invest and do it properly – there's a massive cost. You've got all of the space tied up in barrels. Um, 
you know, a lot of them age in, in stainless even um, conditioning tanks and so on. There is a lot of time and a lot of opportunity costs tied up there. So that's true. You know, yeah, it's it's no real. It's really not much cheaper. It's like making an extra uh, a lager that you want to lager for six months. Well, imagine that, but two years. I mean, if if you're doing like kettle souring, it doesn't have to be that long, and you, you could even use like acidulated malt and stuff to get some of the the character, or at well, least yeah. I mean, you can do that in three weeks, but right. it, it doesn't taste great, right? Well, I mean, horses for courses. A Berlin of ice, you can you can kettle sour that, you can flavor it up a bit with some syrups or whatever. But most of the time, uh, kettle souring is just it's it's very one dimensional. There's just not a lot of depth to it. No, I, I, I totally about, agree, but I do think that breweries are looking to that as, you know, because you can't just throw hops in a beer now and call it something. There's, yeah. it, it, so sours are sort of the new dimension and you can do that relatively quickly. And yeah, it is a little bit one dimensional if you just do kettle souring. You can't like make a lambic with kettle souring, <laughs> but, uh, but you can, you can do something with it and make it a little bit different than, than other people are putting out. Good enough beer there, Jeff? Yeah, Jeff almost made it back in the room without... Holy moly. <laughs> All right. What are we drinking, Jeff? I don't know. These are some of the beers I put in the cellar yesterday. We have here... Are they all a... barley wines? <laughs> wow. Uh, no, we have a worldwide stout, too. Okay. <laughs> oh, Break out the worldwide stout. Let's go 18%. Let's do it. It's New Year's. All right. So this is a 2005 worldwide stout. 2005 worldwide stout. We'll not drink the whole bottle. How about that? That's a good idea. All right. So 2005 pours a, almost wow. like a, almost like a, a, a dark red. It's, it, it's not quite black. I think, Jeff, I Ooh. think that was one. Was that the same as the one you gave me when I was there? Um, It's possible. You had a... No, I probably gave you like a 2008 or so. Maybe it was. It was awesome. Anyway, I mean, I have, I have, I have some of those Nothing back there too. <laughs> but this one was uh, like pre CBR when I sourced oh, this yeah. one. So. Yeah. Well, two. Yeah. Wow. A lot Ooh. of soy sauce, a lot of sherry. Smells good. Yeah. Well, it's really cold. We just put it out of the fridge. So. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna this. we're gonna let this warm up a little bit. Uh, okay, so, so souring. I, you miss, oh. I mean, souring is obvious, you know, as a good uh, example of stuff that we're going to see more of. What do you guys feel about kettle sour specifically? Well, we were talking about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and Greg was saying how they're kind of one dimensional, but it's easy. Um, I mean, it's easier than well, it keeps the bugs out of your cold side, right? Right. Yeah. You're not going to see a lot of lambic because it's it's so much easier to do just kettle sour. I mean, you've got one bug in the kettle sour, right? You've got lactobacillus, and yep. that's about it. That's so you're it. getting you get, get yeah. a few strains of lacto, maybe, and that's going to be your complexity. So this it's, Luau, it's the first beer we had, right? This guy, these guys are like a hundred percent sour brewery. Who uh, are they, sir? Blue Owl in Austin. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Well, our, um, our national airline flies straight to Houston now, so I might really find to Texas at some point. So this will be entertaining. I would love to and go to Austin. I think that flies direct from Sydney to to Dallas. So <laughs> oh. Austin might be one of our like 
it's it, it's it's one of our next stop. Like it's definitely on the list of. Yeah, of I spent eighteen hours in Austin and slept for two and a half of those. Yeah. So. <laughs> I hear it's a great beer city. I'm really looking forward to checking it out. Yeah. It really is. And, uh, yeah, I had a great time. John from the Beerus showed me around. And, uh, like I said, I made the most of my 18 hours. It's like a little there. island in, in Texas. It's like an island yeah. of awesomeness in this, in this big oil slush <laughs> grossness. I mean, Houston has St. Arnold, some other uh, breweries. So Houston would be a good, good stop as well. But, I mean, like, all the good stuff is in Austin. As opposed to just you know a brewery in Houston and you know good couple good breweries and then just shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't candy cut it, Greg. How do you really? In Houston, it? is there anything at all in Houston? Oil, oil. Saint uh, Arnold. I mean, any... Humidity. Saint Arnold's is the brewery, uh, the big brewery yeah, in Houston. Uh, they have a couple other small ones. I'd have to refresh my memory. When is Saint Arnold's going to be bought? That's a good question. I expect them to be bought. It seems like a like a good guy acquisition for somebody. Yeah. Can I just throw in here? It's great after listening to hundreds of your back catalog episodes of podcasts to actually see you warming up your beer. Oh, thank you. To see what we do. <laughs> right. <laughs> and twirling it around to to coat the glass. You know, yeah, yeah. So fantastic. This is our little. Uh... This is our trick. Yeah. Anheuser Busch taught us this trick, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So. AB, does, AB is good for something after. <laughs> I pictured, but it's great to see it. <laughs> no, we, we should be nice to you AB. Guys, I mean, they've been nice to us. You might be interested to know this. Um, I do a lot of beer judging um, here in, and overseas, and I've been teaching beer judges that trick. And oh, I, really? I tell them I buy Anheuser Busch through you guys, and so they're like, "No, no, no way! They don't care about beer. <laughs> they care very much they that their product about, yeah. tastes yeah. like the product is supposed yeah. to taste." And sometimes that's bad. Like when we had Bass Ale, it was like this green apple, ugh. but that was what they were yeah, looking for. They were really life. looking for Bass Ale to have that green apple nonsense going on. So I mean, it's it's they are absolutely looking for. This it wasn't Basel, right? I'm, I'm thinking of something else. Now, maybe it was no, Basel. No. I don't think it was Bass. What had the green apple? Was it Molson? Something, maybe a Molson thing? Uh, I could imagine it being Bass. That, uh, whenever I've had Bass that's been exported from the UK, it's tasted like SNL to hide. It, it could be. Uh... Do they brew that there under under license? Yes. They do? Okay. That was why they were tasting it because it, it was the stuff that, we, that came directly from their brewery. That, yeah, I thought uh, I thought that was cause. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It's going to be one of the same. It was it was Labatt was the Canadian beer that we were tasting. Right? Okay, right. Yeah. And that one was like super sulfury. Uh, was it sulfury? Yeah. yeah, like crazy. Like this is the yeast, Labatt yeast and all the super crazy sulfur compounds <laughs> it gives off. And, it, it was it was interesting because yeah I mean they're they're looking for things that we would normally consider flaws. You should have seen the brewmaster's face when Greg th- told him that he was really interested in the peanut flavor that was in the fresh Budweiser from the Lagerman tanks. <laughs> I was, it was there. But you should have seen the brewmaster's face when Greg said that. 
<laughs> Greg slapped his baby into next week. And... I was looking for interesting off, you know, interesting flavors, and that it wasn't necessarily an off flavor. I really liked it, but it was it was there. <laughs> I don't care whether he like. <laughs> I know, I know, but that was the best part. Was his reaction like, "You motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> Peanuts actually a class, a type of DMS. Um, we commonly, you know, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch: cooked cabbage, cooked corn, uh, pumpkin guts, and peanuts is a is a reasonably uncommon one. Okay. But yeah, people do get it, and it is a, it is a type of DMS. Mm-hmm. It was there. It was definitely there. Sure. He didn't like to hear that. No. But that that was like after like an hour before I was in the theater. I was like, mm, there's there's some red pepper stuff coming out. So I mean, it was like mm-hmm. I was just pulling out nonsense. Right. And it, uh, it, I tasted it. It was there. It wasn't like I was like making stuff up, but it was uh, it was definitely there. But yeah, if I, if I wasn't looking for it, I wouldn't have found it. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's that's yeah, gonna do you still do your um, you do, do you still do your BJCP um, judging? I haven't judged stuff? in in a while. The uh, local competition didn't fall into my schedule, and I wasn't able to you know spend a a day away from the kids drink uh, you know judging beer is there like a nutmeg component to this and uh, I, I really should I would like to retest I'm only recognized I'm not certified yeah because I uh, didn't on the written part or I guess really it was on the Anchor Steam uh, review that I, I didn't I reviewed it as uh, tasting just like Anchor Steam was supposed to taste like when it was an old oxidized <laughs> bottle and Gordon Strong thought that it was uh you know, meanwhile, here in Pittsburgh, you don't get fresh anchor steam very often. Um, yeah. Or I don't find fresh anchor steam in my mouth very often. Um, it so, probably tastes like it does in New Zealand. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I was Do you review- taste the beers going I was, my mouth? I was reviewing it, talking about how, you know, this is just like all the great California commons I've ever had, right? <laughs> and wow. Gordon Strong knew that, like, it was like six months old or a year old and, like, so I lost too many points on that review and didn't get certified. I, I was thinking about. I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, but I was thinking about going for it, going for at least a certification or something. Well, you guys should because there's so much. Um, you know, whenever I go to World Beer Cup, they're always complaining about not having enough judges, domestic or international, because the number of beers that are coming in for the competition now are just increasing mm. massively. They don't have any more time. So they've got to add more judges. Right. But I don't know if I'd want to be a judge because, I mean, just the idea of tasting like 50 beers at the same type of... <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. Um, <laughs> I only do it because of the you know, the opportunities it affords me to travel right. and, yeah. and meet people. You know, you meet great people doing it. Right. You guys yeah. meet them anyway through the course of your, uh, your show. Yeah, I would kind of like to judge at World Beer Cup or GABF or something like that. But uh, then there's all the work. Like, Like, I don't... Like writing the score sheets for homebrew competitions very much. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, I don't have enough practice at it to to you you know just fill out like fill it out like a form letter like okay I'm going to use stanza A here and stanza B there and and you know that kind of thing. after you do ten or fifteen what do you have to say anymore? Everyone hates the score sheets. Yeah, that's that's the good thing about World Beer Cup and GABF format, right? You the only time you fill out a form is if you're judging round one. So if you're judging round two, there's no point. It's already the, the feedback's already been given, so you're okay. just deciding what's good and what goes forward. Okay. Um, so those are the ones we get. Because <laughs> the newer you are, the more the more the uh, the round ones you have to do. Like right. the first time I was there, it's all round ones. 
I think if I were a judge, that'd be the only reason I'd go back to GABF. I'm not really interested in the GABF anymore. We've done it three times. I still haven't been, so I'm, I'm hoping for an invite maybe next year. Um, but yeah, I, I've not been to the festival and I'd like to go. Yeah, so, we've, we've kind of decided that we're going to use our beer travel. Like, I'm the one that's limited on travel with the kids. Okay. We're going to go to cities, you know, I think like Portland, Austin, San Diego, yeah. what kind of things we're going to do. We were toying with the idea of going during beer week for that city. I kind of like the idea of doing it off beer week because we can spend more time with the brewers. They won't be yeah. as busy doing crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, It's drivable. Do Columbus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or Cincinnati. They're a number of beer you wouldn't be able to do it in an extended weekend it would be more than three days okay. i mean city. that's kind of the problem now with so many breweries right it's like everywhere you go there are 30 breweries in, within driving range and the locals always say right oh no you've got to go to this one right yes yeah when i was in they, seattle there were so many breweries i had to go to and i like i can't go yeah. to all of them like the, 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 uh, I mean, the the guys who who, who I met with are, were great, and they were so excited to, to you know to tell me about all of the great stuff that was there. I was like, man, I I wish I had time to go to those breweries, but I, I got like maybe three, four in in because how how much could I actually do? Right. No, it's it, it's 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 hard to tour a city. Mm-hmm. anymore because there's so many breweries back in the good old days when there was five yeah. breweries in a city boy i wish i wish we had only 20 <laughs> breweries in the country again <laughs> it's hard to it's easy to forget how good we have it now mm-hmm. it? so yeah, it really uh oh that's really good <laughs> that is really good the 2005 <laughs> it's the, the booze is hiding it's not harsh it's yeah. mellow it's yeah it's nice and mellow it has a lot of a lot of fruity flavors coming out of it. Like it's a, there's a little bit of apple, a little bit of um, a little bit of pear, and uh, mm, what is it? It's... Yeah. So hmm. I think it held up better than the ten year old one twenty. I think you're right. It, it, it there was there's a little bit of harshness to that, and the what well, ten year old one twenty kind of went all oxidized yeah. and wonky on it. But this is. Um, Oh, there's just lots of really nice, like deep, uh, uh, deep red fruits, deep like pit fruits. I have another bottle of this, so we can save it for another ten years. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know about another ten years, but hey, it's worth <laughs> a shot. Uh, we talked about local breweries. Uh, let's go around the table and give some shout-outs for some of our local favorite local breweries. Greg, why don't you start? I'll start. Okay, so um, we've got a new, well, newish outfit here. Uh, in Hamilton called Good George. And they're a strange bunch. um, They've come at craft brewing from a completely different angle. I shouldn't say craft brewing. This is where we get into trouble. (laughs) Uh, But they've... It's it's run by a hospitality company, right? So a a bunch of guys that own a bunch of bars. And they said, hey, this brewing thing's going well. We're going to start a brewery. And so they've thrown heaps of money at it, hired some very good brewers decided to brew very easy, accessible beers and then let their brewers go nuts every so often and just do whatever they want. And uh, they're approaching it exactly like a business. They're, they're buying up all the taps they can. They they kind of piss off some of the craft beer people. But, man, they make consistently good beer. Hmm. And, you know, I, I was just drinking it uh, last night, New Year's Eve for us, and 
drinking their beer and thinking, damn, this is this is good to have. If I have to walk into five bars and have this stuff on tap and that's what's there, I'm not sad about that. In a small town like Hamilton, which has not had much craft beer in the past, it's been great. Okay. Um, they also own one of the bars that they've helped set up is the local casino bar here. And they've, they've named it the local tap house, which is pissed off some of the Australian guys who actually... Yeah, Peter will know the, the local tap house in Melbourne um, and St Kilda there. Um, it upset them a little bit, and so it should, but uh, the, the bar itself is actually really good, and they take our beer, they take um, beer from some of our other friends, and it's great to walk in there and just you know find all the local stuff on there. So, you know, huge props to them taking a different approach to what we would consider the normal craft brewing story. I've come at it as a business instead of as a, this is a passion we started as home brewers kind of thing. That's interesting because in the past, I've kind of considered uh, part of the hallmark of a craft brewer is the passion part, right? And if you come into it as a uh, investment, as a business, then you're just a beer marketing company. And that's BS. All the brewers have the passion. Their, their brewers are hugely passionate, and that's they've kind of outsourced the passion, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They've said, right, we're hiring guys that really care about this. We're just going to make money. You guys do a good job, we'll make money. <laughs> yeah, that's the world. I mean, that, that's the world we live in, and I don't think it's bad. As long as, it, as, as, long as people are successful and people make money at it, but um, it's, it's, it's better than it could be. So, yeah. Okay, we're going to go left. Well, let's... You want to go a uh, Peter next to well, Melbourne, so like, going, like sure. Sort of, sure. Yeah. I was going to go left to right on the screen right there, but um... go, we, we, let's go further <laughs> away from us to, to closer. So oh, let's go okay. with uh, Peter. What do you think, Peter? Anything yeah, uh, near, near you? Uh, there's several breweries here in Melbourne. I mean, there's hundreds of them now, really. But uh, some of the the more what I consider exclusive, if you like, they're producing some really quality stuff. There's Holgate Brewery, which is uh, about 50 miles outside of Melbourne itself, in a tiny little town of about. 5,000 people. It's a brew pub which has about, I'm going to say, 10 different beers on tap. Um, and generally, seven or eight of them are quality. Um, they're distributing all over the, the, uh, the state of Victoria, which is where Melbourne is, uh, and uh, really quite a wide distribution now. Uh, there's another one called Kaiju. Um, I don't remember the name of the actual brewing company, but their beers are called Kaiju, K-A-I-J-U. So really so good the, quality. Those are the big like monsters in, in Japanese monster Yeah, monsters, movies. exactly, yeah. A lot of, uh, like, almost, uh, yeah, robotic sort of monsters, exactly. That's on the on the labels. Really good quality stuff. But the one that I'm most excited about is one actually from the center of Melbourne called Boat Rocker. Um, they make some really high-quality, high-alcohol content stuff. Uh, one called Banshee, which is a barley wine, um, which is just phenomenal. Um, and they they seem to be coming out with a new one every uh, every other month, which just knocks my socks off. It's uh, good. I'm just trying to get another name of another one. Uh, Alpha Queen, a high, uh, a great IPA, uh, a great name. I ain't afraid of no goes. Which is- <laughs> I think an excellent name. It's not a particularly good beer, but <laughs> I ain't afraid of goes and, and the label. Oh, we do exactly, love Goza puns. Uh, yes. so. Yeah, exactly. The label is exactly the uh, Ghostbusters thing with the ghost with the, the line through it, right? Uh, Ramjet, 
if you if you from down under maybe uh, Jeff you know this uh, Greg sorry you know this one uh, Ramjet a fantastic uh, really strong imperial uh, stout uh, phenomenal stuff you know that one yep I love it yeah it's awesome if I get over to the east coast of the states guys I'll certainly stick one in my suitcase for you it's an exciting word Ramjet uh, I think Minnesota's probably yeah. further away than Delaware so Jason why don't you go. Well, full disclosure, I, I sell beer for my locals, so I'm, I'm partial to them. But um, Go for it. They're, they're doing some great stuff. Um, they've got 16 beers they're going to release next year. Um, they're doing a, a line of lagers. Um, so they do a, an American lager. Uh, they do a, a Bach. Um, they're going to do a, an Oktoberfest. They're going to do a Schwartz beer. Um and then on the other side, they're doing a number of ales uh, for their fourth anniversary. They did a quad, um, had a sample of that. It's uh, phenomenal. Um, they took a silver at GABF with their pumpkin beer, um, which not a style that many people love, but um, I think it had a really nice balance of the, the spices along with uh, this beautiful, um, basically, um, uh, Vienna lager slash amber ale um, a base beer, so um, they've got a, a truly West Coast style um, IPA they're doing, so just a lot of fun stuff. They do the fresh hop beer, um, locally sourced hops, um, which you don't think of Minnesota with hops, but there's actually some hop farmers around here, so um, kind of really embracing the, the local scene and, and bringing some beers to, to market that you wouldn't, I guess, expect from, from a southern Minnesota brewery. What's the brewery name? Uh, Mankato Brewery. How do you spell that? M-A-N-K-A-T-O. Mankato. Right, so, Steve, you get to be last because you're kind of a hop, skip, and a jump away from was... us. Uh, Tom. Yeah. Tom's not on right now. Oh, Tom. Yeah, Tom stepped away. Oh, that's right. Okay, well, Steve, you're up. Okay, I'll do three. I've got a brew pub. It's called Woofridge. It's, in, it's basically just out of downtown Columbus, uh, excellent, excellent food. Probably the the most top notch uh, gastro pub in the town. Uh, just recently started bottling and canning uh, some of their beers. Then just to go for a a brewery by itself, a standalone, Zauber. They started off at Z A U B E R. They started off uh, strictly following the German. Uh, brewing law, they've encringed upon some of that recently good. with some, some additives, but they're still very good beer. Uh, started off two, almost two years ago basically on a glorified homebrew system and was saving kegs of beer for a Columbus uh, beer tour bus that went through on Saturday morning. So they would release a keg on Thursdays, release a keg on Saturday, and they'd be done for the week. And then a another local one that's just expanded for production brewing is Four Strings. Excellent beer, uh, just expanded almost uh, four or five times expansion their their size. Excellent brew, uh, did it right. Put a lab in during the expansion, so everything's coming mm. out clean and pure. Like I said, there are probably. Uh, six or seven others I could just sit there and, and say talk about but those are the three 
that I would highly recommend to people coming into town. It's definitely something we notice as we get, you know, brews from that are donated, you know, that are sent from the brewery and sometimes they're they're infected and we're just like, well, I mean, you sent it to us, we're going to tell people it's infected. Uh so we don't know what to do and it is good to see that a brewery is saying, okay, when we expand, we're also going to put a lab in there to make sure we don't do that. <laughs> And I, I travel the country. If you ever seen any of the barbecue shows on TV, uh, barbecue pitmasters, the competition barbecue, I travel the country doing that. So I've oh, hit man. a lot of different towns, and more and more the the even the small breweries are putting in labs just for that reason of the old Garrett Oliver is support good over local. So just because they're local doesn't mean they're good. Support lo good first. Right. Right. And that's the problem is that some of these breweries even I mean because I could have talked about uh, Columbus Brewing Company's Bodie, uh, top metal ranking year after year for IPA or whatever. May not have been necessarily gold, but bronze or whatever. It's a good beer, but there's a lot better IPAs being brewed in Columbus than Bodie right now. Okay. And it's because they went to the effort of putting a lab in to make sure everything they're doing is fine. One of the old, other older in Columbus is Elevator Brewing Company. The problem with that is it's hit and miss. Sometimes it's good, sometimes mm -hmm. it's not. And I don't. I think it's that they're not. I don't know if they have a lab, or if they're not just paying attention to it. Is that? Oh, what do you? Eh, it's close enough. Go ahead and send it out. It's it, it's it's decent beer. It's not good. So if if there's something else up other than Elevator, I usually go for the the non Elevator. Do you have any local picks? Dry Lang, Dry Log, Dry Log, Dry Log. Uh, and what was the place we went to with Greg? The um, Roundabout. Roundabout, yeah, Roundabout. Oh, yeah. I love that. I still wear my T-shirt all the time. <laughs> nice. No, I. Uh, so Roundabout was also on my list. I think mm -hmm. they're one of the uh, the better um, local breweries. Uh, for me, my top two would be Dry Log and I'm um, sorry, Roundabout and the Brew Gentleman. Brew gentlemen are doing some some really interesting stuff. If you guys have seen when we did that interview with um, Chip and Alexis for doing Blood, Sweat, and Beer, that was the brewery that was focused on that documentary. And um, those guys have put it together, and they're making some interesting beer. Um, Drylog's interesting. Greg mentioned they're in um, uh, Millville, right? Yeah, Millville. Yeah. Sounds right. And uh, they're they're doing like some some belgian inspired some some sours i feel that they're they're rushing their sours they're not quite as as nuanced as they otherwise could be okay. i think I, i'm keeping my eyes open to see when they have more ability to take their time that their beers get better but right now i'm a little underwhelmed with the quality of their sours. i've had at least one of their beers that was really good so maybe that's why i'm putting them on my list because it, 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 it's the thing that came to my mind immediately yeah i, I mean, think i think when they have more capacity and can spend more time with their beers i think the quality will improve but i'm a little underwhelmed at this point oh is this right. a trogues barley wine it feels very happy. this yeah this is the uh, flying mouflon uh from trogues this is from last no, two years ago. It's two it's, years old. It's really hoppy, especially compared to other beers we've had. Well, so, it's only two yeah, years old. Yeah, it's only two years old. Uh, so here's an interesting question because, um, Steve, you're talking about the barbecue. I'm, I'm curious. It may be not a beer topic, but 
uh, and it also is, is, of course, your personal opinion, but what's your favorite kind of barbecue? Good brisket. Good brisket. So is it uh, more of a North Carolina style or a Texas style? Well, brisket that's usually more of a Texas style, although competition, it's got a, a finished set glaze on it. So there's a little bit of liquid there. And what flavor the liquid is is up to the cook and stuff like that. But mm. it's it's basically – it's almost – to put it in beer terms, it's almost become like a Miller or Coors Anheuser Bush beer that everyone's cooking the same food because that's what the judges are expecting. They're expecting fizzy yellow. Right. That's interesting. I would so, have expected sorry. I would have expected the uh, brewing or the smoking the barbecuing mm-hmm. to be kind of like how home brewers do it, right? They brew it a little bit bigger than style, right? A little bit more so it stands out, you know, and that is a way oh, it's one bite barbecue. You don't want to eat the whole entire brisket because the way it's been injected with phosphates and seasonings oh, and no. stuff that you would be it would be very good for the first couple bites, the second, the, the next two or three bites, it's, and then the last five or six, it's like, okay, how what's that potato salad look like over there? <laughs> you get I boobs see. too, right? I mean, all the hormones. <laughs> so, Steve, sorry, I'm, I, uh, this, I, I know the theory and the vague thing, but you know, we don't really have barbecue here. The, I know it varies by region. So Texas, it's a dry rub thing, right? No, no sauces, no liquids. I do Kansas City Barbecue Society, and it's chicken, ribs, pork, and brisket, and it's however the cook wants to do it. Traditionally, now it's chicken thighs. They're they're steeped in a butter brine and 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 heavily sauced. Same thing with ribs that they're it's heavily sauced, and pork runs the gambit from if you're in the Kansas City couple hundred miles region, it's usually slices along with a section of pulled pork. You get to the to more of the eastern, northeastern, sex, north uh, New England area. It's more pulled. You go to the further south to the Tennessee, Georgia. It's more chopped. I mean, it's and then briskets. It's generally sliced. And thank you to the the TV show called Barbecue Pitmasters. Every judge on earth now <laughs> thinks that you're supposed to have what's called burnt ends. Mm. Which is a section of the beef brisket that's that's just cubed up, <laughs> sauced, and put back in to set the sauce on it. Super well done. Yeah. So so Steve, if they're since, done right, they're very good. Since I have uh-huh. a um, yeah. barbecue expert on the line, uh, why don't I see more of the um, like the South Carolina mustard based barbecue? Yeah, sauce? this is just, I so, love so that. From sauce. what I understand, you have a Kansas City, which is sort of tomato and sugar, and North Carolina, which is really uh, mustard and vinegar. Well, North Carolina is vinegar, ketchup, right? I mean, let's let's Steve talk. Yeah, right? let's Steve talk. Let's let the well, talk. the Carolina. There's actually two regions in the Carolinas because you have. Don't forget, you had the vinegar in there with with the the the, the red pepper seeds and stuff. It's not mm-hmm. the mustard. It's right. so there's a vinegar sauce and then there's a mustard sauce, and you're both in the Carolinas. Right. Hmm. So I love the mustard sauce, but I can never get that kind of barbecue. It, I do it at Giant Eagle, at, at the at the one at um, really yeah the the South Hills one. Huh. Because crafty the thousand pound monkey in the room, the elephant in the room said no, we want tomato, we want ketchup. Right. So that's what you're going to have. And that's more Same Kansas City, with, right? Yeah. 
between Kansas and St. Louis. Yeah. But I'm I'm with it's to me I'm a more traditional Texas style is is a, a dry rub because if you need sauce you screw up the barbecue. I can see that as you know like for for me a steak needs salt and pepper. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And if you put anything more on it, I mean, I can see some cheese on it, but then you, you're you're making a steak like augmented. Uh, but like a real blue cheese crumbles on a steak, you've ruined a good steak. Yeah, why they put the blue... <laughs> you, you screwed up the steak, so you put blue cheese on it to hide it. Right. Yeah, but, but doesn't Steve's point really kind of drive home some of the bad experimentation in craft beer, where you take a a great base style and you throw a bunch of garbage in it and and um, you know, say it's a twist on the base, but it's actually just not very good. Did he yeah. say Christmas beer and pumpkin beers? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he said, didn't he? Yeah, Jason, yeah. Jason, it's the same kind of thing. Touche. <laughs> Sorry. I've had a beer or two. Anybody that's else? a really good point, though. I, one of the things that's been driving me nuts lately is the number of new breweries out there who are coming into the market. I don't know whether this is happening in the States or not, but it's certainly happening here and their whole business plan seems to be we're just going to throw random ingredients into our beer and it's going to be great and yeah. there's one company in New Zealand that does a really good job of that Peter might you have you heard of Garage Project absolutely yeah they do it right they're, they're, some guys have got a real culinary background they really think about the ingredients how they work and they mm. come up with things that you know, they don't always work, but they, they have a really good foundation to the beer. So if it doesn't work, it was always a noble experiment, and it's always quite drinkable. You, you'll, you'll drink it, you'll be fine. You may not have another. But generally, they're pretty good. But there are so many other breweries out there that are just throwing the kitchen sink into their beer and calling it great. And hmm. to me, it's a bit of an emperor's new clothes situation. Do you, what do you guys think of that? I, I really don't see a ton of you know, stew, like, you know, huge mixed up beers. I mean, guys, there's one brewery in Melbourne that does exactly what uh, Greg is talking about. It's called Moondog. Oh, they yes. Have, they have maybe 20 different beers a year. Some of them are fantastic, it's, but it's very hit and miss. Redskin, uh, their uh, raspberry stout was a hit, fantastic. But they have something like pineapple lime didn't work, uh, caramel thing d- didn't work. But yeah, they I've actually met the guy himself, the, the brewer. I mean, he's a, that sounds kind of like he's mob- a young guy, he's only about thirty years old, and they, they'll try everything. But it's very much hit and miss. Absolutely, they, they, almost every other week they're coming out with another that mishmash sounds- of something that's not straight beer. It's got a lot of flavour added. But Moondog is it's very popular here in Melbourne. It's it's got a big presence. But it's very much hit and miss. That's because Melbourne's full of hipsters. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm one of the unbearded few. It's, <laughs> there's sounds... a phrase in marketing, it's called the the shotgun or scattergun theory, is that if you throw enough things out there you're gonna hit a target yeah. audience. Oh. Yep. So and that's what they're doing, is they're just throw everything on the board and something is gonna stick. Whatever yeah. sticks, we'll make it again next year. Yeah, and, and that's that's a decent Policy, I think, because as long as you don't make too much crap, right? Right. I mean, well, say, eat, as long as you can sell enough to even if you do exactly, eat if you do, as long as you can sell it. I mean, it sounds kind of like exactly. mobcraft, right? We've had some beers from mobcraft on the show. 
What was that? Try everything. Sorry, you go. <laughs> yeah, Mobcraft. Yeah, they, they they do stuff, but I I you know they 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 take time to to craft a recipe as opposed to just throwing stuff out there. Yeah, but we've had some beers from them that have been kind of misses. I mean, I'm sure, but but yeah. that's okay. I mean, we have beers from everybody who's been. Yeah. Has there been any brewery we've had this? Everything's been awesome. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so I mean, I Margaritas is pretty good. <laughs> I kind of like the experimentation. I kind of like the idea of yeah, throwing stuff out there and seeing what works. And sometimes it'll be great. Sometimes it'll be crappy, but people will like it. And sometimes it'll be just crappy. Period. And I sort of, I kind of appreciate that. I mean, uh, okay. it's worth it. It's it's worth it just to see because because you never know what the next tr- where the next trend is going to come from. You never know where the next. Uh big things to be and, and it could be something that's awful but there's something in there that's good and somebody will be able to turn it into something awesome I guess the sorry the problem I have with it is it's less about uh, there needs to be experimentation sure but it needs to be from a base of knowledge it needs to be from I know this is going to, to be a good base beer and then I'm going to try these things which I think will work on top of it there's a, a lot of sensationalism going on by people who don't really perhaps know what they're doing. They're just throwing things at a wall and seeing what sticks. And, Greg, I'm hearing you say that you you respect that. I kind of don't. I find it, to me, it's amateurish. You, you want to be able to, to decide what your flavors are going to be and know what the end product's going to taste like. And there's room for experimentation within that, sure, but you can't just throw crap at the consumer and say, here you go, yeah. and if you don't like it, you're wrong, which is the, the attitude which a lot of these breweries seem to have. Well, so I mostly disagree with you here because I, I feel like I actually do kind of respect throwing stuff out there and just trying stuff. Uh, I do think that if it's crap, you should not sell it uh, instead of yeah. just trying to sell the stuff well, that you know we, is crap. I agree. I think Point. Yeah, yeah, but but I do think that there's value in just trying crazy shit. Now, I mean, to I mean, like, I do think the rogue, the rogue donut <laughs> shit is like, oh god, why? I almost bought their new mango <laughs> one. Yeah, I almost bought the mango one yesterday. Oh really? Almost, but then I realized it was probably ninety percent rogue donut shit. But I mean, like a oh, habanero. A habanero sculpt, I don't think I ever yeah. would have think thought that would be great. And yeah. Pineapple, yeah. It's now pineapple. Yeah, I mean they're they're trying stuff, and I'm sure that you know they're going like, mm, okay, this is good, and they're probably experimenting, saying, okay, this is this is crap, and they're throwing it out instead of selling it. And I think that you know that's right. the right thing to do. You know, brew it small, see if it works. Try to brew it big, see if it still works, and then if it does work or something is about it is good, sell it. But I, I think that. There is definitely value in trying crazy stuff. Yeah. Oh, sure. But, I mean, okay, let's... We're talking about two different things here. You've got Habanero Sculpin, right, which is Ballast Point brewing geniuses saying, we've got the Sculpin, we know it's great. Will a bit of heat work with that? Will a little bit of chili flavor work with that? We're pretty sure it will. Let's let's put that in. And it's it's perfect. Yeah. What I'm talking about is, is people without that knowledge and where they don't know and they throw crap in... And instead of saying, well, that didn't work, they go, oh, we're going to release it anyway. Yeah, this I may do. not be a problem over there. It is here. I, I'm with you on the idea that if it doesn't work, don't sell it. But, yeah. uh, you know, so 
yeah, I, I think the people who sell stuff that doesn't work just because they're trying to, you know, make their money back, that's not. Yeah, I don't like that. Wrong. But yeah. I like the idea of just crazy experimentation. Just try it, and I want to see oh, what sure. you come up with. If you think it's if you think it's good, right? If you're willing to sell, I'm, my my thought is you think it's good enough to sell, not oh you just got to get rid of the, this. Yeah. So I think we're we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we are. I, I would agree. And with that, I'm going to pee yet again. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, Jeff? What are you What are you getting ready? This is 2000. Got the top up that thing. <laughs> this is. Uh... You got all the wax off yet? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I could have I could have gone for it, you know, 20 minutes ago. You guys know it's 30 minutes till midnight, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have an alarm set. I'm good. I set up a, a bunch of scheduled tweets that go out saying, "Hey, we're doing a live thing." So, like every hour, there's a live tweet or a nice. scheduled tweet going out. So thousands of us tuning in. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, it, if there was a thousand people, it'd be unmanageable. So who cares if there's only six people listening? I'm having fun. I'm having a great time. As long as you're having fun, that's all that matters. This is a bottle of um, East End Brewing's Gratitude from 2005, and. Uh, it was not ever for sale because they didn't label it. So, all right. So another barley Tasteful. wine. Only a ten-year-old barley wine. Right. We're, we're kind of going heavy on the high alcohol beers tonight, but we're it's not, New Year's. We're not pouring big samples. Yeah. Greg, you're not driving anytime soon, are you? No. <laughs> I, I might be. I, I may very well be staying the night. I have a Bourbon County Barrel brand. Uh... And I'm not going to open right now because I, I would pass out in front of them. Yeah, you don't feel like you have to keep up. <laughs> yeah, I'm running really. out of Xylus stoppers. That's going to be the problem. <laughs> Back to this year and the pale. Uh oh. Gotta drink them. Does smell good. Now, speaking of the bourbon barrel, has anyone tried the founders? They, they started naming them because of lawsuits instead of. The, the breakfast out, it's KBS mm-hmm. and CBS. It's the yeah. Kentucky breakfast out and the Canadian breakfast out. Yep. Has anyone had those? Oh, yeah. We can get KB. Well, so back in the day, really hard. KBS used to sit on the shelves here for weeks. It was just, it was a shelf turd. You could um, pick it up, non, you know, whenever you wanted. And uh, it's a good beer. Actually, and I've had uh, CBS on two occasions. Um, Fatheads. Um, there, you might know of them of the brewery, but mm-hmm. they started as a bar here in Pittsburgh and, um, craft beer bar. So they had a six stool of CBS one year. It was the first day of Pittsburgh craft beer week, I think like probably three years ago. And they got Belgian liege waffles from a waffle place in town. And they also bought the syrup that CBS was aged in, which is $30 a bottle, you know, for, it comes in a wine bottle, <laughs> maple syrup. And you could, we go in first thing in the morning, get by the CBS, you know, draft. And the waffles and the syrup were complimentary. So you get to have the Canadian breakfast out, the maple syrup that was previously in the barrels, and then these great Belgian waffles. It was a hell of an event. Uh, I would love to do that again at, at uh, any point that was possible. Um, CBS is a good beer. Um, 
you know, since I lack the gene to taste rare, it wasn't a whale or amazing. Um, KBS <laughs> is also a good beer. Um, I think it's gotten better over the years since I first had it. I just had a was at a beer uh, dinner at a local restaurant with founders, and there is no plans for KBS or C or CBS in the near future. Oh, really? Huh. Yes. That's interesting. Said, building them up. Well, it, it's a rotational thing. It's not that they're not going to do it. It's just that it's not this year or, ne- or 2016. Yeah, they come and go, right? Because they mm-hmm. had retired Rubeas, the raspberry beer, and oh. wanted to use um, – they wanted to do the Cerise, the one made with Michigan cherries. And this past year, they didn't do the Cerise, and they did the Rubeus. And I was um, – Jeremy, their brewer, was doing this live Twitter thing, and I asked, you know, was asking questions about this. And there was a late frost in Michigan, and like 80% or 90% of the uh, cherries were lost in Michigan. Mm. So there was like no cherry crop. So that was impetus for them to go back to the raspberry beer. Yeah. <laughs> And... The Rubeus is trending right here in Melbourne right now. It's on draft and a couple of the big, uh, the big. Uh, it's a good beer. Oh, that's good. Pubs that, uh, import a lot of beers. Yeah, and the Rubeus is trending right now. Yeah, yeah, the Rubeus is is pretty tasty because I I knew that they had canceled it versus you know put it on the shelf because when I went huh. to Philly Beer Week, um, oh Jesus, Allison was still in a infancy, so it's probably two thousand nine. Um, I went to a. a uh, founders Brewing uh, beer dinner, like a 10-course tasting dinner. It was amazing, and I got press pass to it, so it was free. And Heather got a press pass to it, it was free. And we had a baby in a car carrier. And it was like the last... <laughs> it was like the last... They, they said that this is the last keg of Rebeus. They were switching over to Cerise, you know, to showcase local cherries. And so I was asking, you know... and. <laughs> you know, you could tell Jeremy wasn't the guy typing the tweets. You know, he was kind of sitting in a room with their social media manager, and like they're asking me, like, "Why do you care so much about Rubeus?" I'm like, "I, I don't, lo- I'm lo- I don't love Rubeus. It's just I want to know the story behind why it went away and came back." You know? Yeah. Um, that, that, that's that's kind of cool. Um, I kind of wish some. There are plenty of beers that I wish. This is a great question. What beers do you wish would come back? That you've had before and, and they've they're gone and you wish that oh, is man. a good question. For me, you know, I would love to try Dogfish Head's Liquor to Malt again. Mm. I, my my mind goes to another Dogfish Head beer, which was their um, uh, the current Ocarant. Ocarant, yeah, which yeah I remember yeah. being that really one good, too. But who knows if it's if it's if it's good to my taste buds now? But man, so when... so. Corollary to that story was a beer that I had ages ago. It was at a um, where did I? Oh, I had this. So, oh, too bad. Um, too bad Tom's not on. When Heavyweight Brewing in New Jersey closed down, Scott from East End and I drove out there. And one of the beers we had at the, like the final bottle share tasting shutdown thing was um, Dogfish Head's um, Festina Lenta. Oh. Right, and this was this wild raspberry or wild lambicky type thing where uh, Sam was talking, telling a story about how there's like you know flies in the you know buzzing around it and stuff like fruit flies. So at the Denver Rare Beer Tasting this past year, when we went to Pints for Prostates, they had Festina Lenta on, and I was there with Jamie Barlow and, and Gary, 
and a couple other listeners and I'm like, oh my god, Lenta, let's go try that. And we go there and taste it and it, it, it tasted like like sweaty Limburger cheese. It was like awful. It was awful, awful. Like horrid. I don't I can't I can't imagine my palate has changed that much that I like missed that before. I think it's a different beer, but you know, so be careful what you wish for bringing a beer back is all I'm saying. Well, regardless, do you guys have any beers that you wish would be back but you don't get anymore? Not so much wish it would come back, but just wish I could get it. Um because it is still produced, but Cantione Iris um drunk it at the brewery it was one of the beer experiences in my life. I, mean, I know everyone goes on about Cantione, but this was just perfection in a glass. Mm. And I, you know, we used to get it imported here, and it just—I haven't seen it for years. Um, I, the, it, for me, it's mostly imports, right? They—they they come into the country, whatever's here is sold. You taste an amazing beer, and then you know you're never going to get it again unless you travel to that country and go to that brewery. And yep. so Iris is, is probably the one that really sticks out for me. Cantillon, I mean, Cantillon was one of those breweries. So here in Pittsburgh, we had a, a, a wholesaler who got craft beer early. And they signed a bunch of breweries, Dogfish, Stone, Cantillon, and whatnot. So I remember the days when I was first getting into craft beer, you could go to some of the better beer places in town. And you would find several Cantillons on the shelf. But the same guy who got craft beer early really pissed off the Shelton brothers. And I haven't seen Cantillon in town in like 10 years. Hmm. You know, I think yeah. part of it is Cantillon's popularity and there's less beer to go around. But also when you piss off the importer, uh, you're not going to find <laughs> it in Pittsburgh. I think there's a similar thing here. I think the that's exactly what happened here. The importer just, there was some kind of fight, some dust up, something happened, and that that's why it never came back. Actually, I'm wrong, too. It wasn't Iris. It was Vigneron that I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, it was a great beer blend that was then barrel-aged and soured and then blended back again. Okay. And that was just incredible. Yeah, I've had Iris. I've had the Goose. I think Goose is probably my favorite of the ones I've had. I had the Goose in Japan. It was really good. That was a while ago. Which one, Greg? The Goose. Plain old Goose. Oh, yeah. It was like vinegar, but it was great. Yeah. <laughs> That's pucker material right yeah. there. Yeah. Now, a few years back, Abita Brewing, their brew pub, did a red ale and a black IPA, and it was right around uh, the Lenten season, and they've never done it again. Mm. And I've been there every year except one and keep asking – when are you going to do the red? When are you going to do the black IPA? And it's, nope, it's done. <laughs> but that, but those two beers, I don't know if it was the the, the camaraderie with the people that I was with, but everyone, it's like, do they do it? Nope. So I mean, I'm bringing back good beer. It's like, but it's not black IPA. It's not red. It's like, I know. Right, right. Speaking of Abita, possibly the worst brew knowledge tour but if you're ever there, they give you a 12 or 16-ounce cup and say, we're being green. If you want to try a different beer, could you rinse it out? And it's like 15 different taps. And when I was down there a couple years ago, they had an oyster stout on tap that never made it past the tasting room mm. at Abita. Okay. It was a very good beer. And it's like a three-hour, and it's free beer. Nice. There's no charge. 
Another one that comes love Louisiana and her liquor laws. I, I wonder if Abita is one of those breweries that doesn't travel well because I don't have a very high opinion of Abita. I mean, they're I, I forget the name of the series. They're shipping out a bunch of different ones. Um, I'll Google it here in a second and tell you. But they're but yes, they are doing. They've exp they've expanded production. It, it's. A, a lot different brewer than what you know from a couple years ago. I mean, there were some of the beers I thought were interesting, like their strawberry lager or whatever right. it was. I thought it had interesting. I remember flavors, how Weyerbacher but... took some time to get, yeah. to get into it. So, the, another one that comes to mind is Ring of Fire. Oh, that's a. Yeah, so there's a brew pub chain in eastern Pennsylvania called Iron Hill Brewing. And they did a porter aged in Tabasco barrels and called it Ring of, and called it Ring of Fire. And. So they aged, you know, like one Tabasco barrel full of beer, but they had to age, they had to blend it out like 20 to one to make it like, <laughs> not like make your eyes pop out of your head. And it was still a significantly spicy yeah. beer. And, um, we were actually able to get two bottles of that. Uh, the second bottle was infected, but the first bottle was delicious. Yeah, it was great. That's a good one to bring back for sure. Um, for me, beers I can't get anymore. I think Canton's a good. It's just because it's not sourced here. Yeah. Canton be a good one. Um, the weirdly, I like. I, I don't want any more West Vlederen. I feel like yeah, I'm kind of dumb. That. Yeah, I'm dumb yeah. Westy. It's too inconsistent. It's not worth the effort and the price. Effort <laughs> or price. That's another one you have to drink there. It's amazing drinking it right. I bet it is. Yeah, I bet you're exactly yeah. right. Perfect. But yeah, I've had several bottles of it. The best that's ever been in bottle traveled is oh, that's that's nice. You've mm -hmm. never gone wow when you've had a, a bottle of it, right? I mean, we did when we started, but we were like a year or so in, not, not even. And so you know, we it was it was the best beer we you know we had at the point. But we no, also no, were no. like we no, also were it like wasn't, it was it wasn't the best beer. It was really good, but it wasn't. I remember this clearly. The way we reviewed that beer was. That no we could see how it floats to the top of lists because it was good, flawless. It wasn't wow in any particular way, right? Right. right. So we right. review. That's how we reconcile it, right? We can see how it flows to the top of the list, and it kind of. I, gave... I tell you what, on on site, it you you taste it and you think, right? That is, you know, I see why that is at the top yeah. of everything. It's just so damn good. Um, it was a transcendent, I, you know, and I went in jaded as hell. I was thinking, oh, we're about to drink the best beer in the world, whatever. Drank it and went, okay, it is. Fuck it, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. When we drank it, we thought we were going to drink the best beer in the world. And we're like, oh, it's definitely not the best beer in the world. Then as we sat with it for a few minutes, we realized that it was a very good beer. Yeah. And then we kind of realized that, like, the way the beer advocate does rankings, that very good beers, like cream, or the you know rises to the top mm -hmm. or whatever. So yeah, I, I would describe I it as <laughs> yeah. I have to agree with you, Greg from New Zealand, because I don't know anything any of the beers that have uh, really disappeared from here in Australia or New Zealand recently. But something I wish I could get or wish you guys in the states could try is the anything unfiltered from the breweries in the Czech Republic. Oh my yeah, wife, my wife is Czech. I've been to Prague in, in numerous times, and uh, to get to go to the breweries and try their particularly their unfiltered beers straight from the from the barrel at the on the premises, unbelievable. They called Nefiltrovani, 
anything you can get from there is just unbelievable. It's completely different to anything we get exported. Uh, it's got a life of its own. Wow. Really just blows you away. I don't know if it's quite the same, but when you're in California, look for Trumer Pills because that is really, really good. Yeah. I had yeah. it a couple of months ago. It's really, it is. It's surprisingly good. Yeah. Um, do you guys you guys might know it's Zeitgeist in San Francisco? Sort of a weird biker bar. No. no. I mean, there's, inside it's sort of a biker bar, outside it's a stoner garden. It's a very, very weird place. <laughs> <laughs> but we very I strange. turned up one day and they had a representative from Truma there. Really? And he was saying, Oh look, this has just left the brewery. This is the freshest Truma that's ever been on tap anywhere in the US. Have it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I've Truma pills. I've had it before. Whatever. Speaking of Stoner Gardens. Wow. <laughs> wow. Let's move the show to Colorado for the next uh, five minutes. Ah, I feel good. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that was just an e-cigarette for everyone watching at home. Just an e-cigarette. It was great. <laughs> oh, man. So that... Uh, I, 2005 gratitude from East End Brewing that aged excellent, wonderfully, very well. Yeah, we got um, a... mm, 15 minutes roughly before New Year's. So yeah, let's before go for it. So so Jeff is pulling out Flying Dog's Horn Dog Barley Wine. Oh wow! <laughs> so it, we have a lot of barley wines in the fridge and in the in the cellar. Well, because they age well. I mean, why wouldn't we? Why would you I've drink anything other than a barley wine on New Year's? Except for if you're in the Southern Hemisphere and it's like 95 degrees outside. <laughs> then you might want Well, that. I mean, soon it will be 95 degrees in Pittsburgh in December. Hey, Greg, get Alex in here. I want to say hi. I, I tried. She was like, no, no, hang on. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Tell her I'm begging. <laughs> uh, it's cooled down a lot today in Melbourne. Today it's only about 82 degrees. Yesterday was 105. Wow. Okay, that's a little hot, but I mean, like, yeah. As <laughs> as recently as a week ago, it was almost 70 degrees. Yeah. The the Ooh, winter today was the first really cold day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The winter yeah, here in Pittsburgh has been like bonkers nice, <laughs> and everyone I talk to is like, "Oh, it's going to get you on the back end. It's going to be horrible February." It's not the way weather. Works. I really hope not. That's not the way weather works. It it's work. not a given. It, it, yeah, it's not a. It, it's not a zero sum game. No, there's not a cold quota. Yeah. <laughs> the begging work, Jeff. Here she comes. Hey, Alex. Hey. Good to see Hi. you again. Happy holidays. Happy, Happy holidays, holidays, Alex. So Alex joined us when Greg was here, and and I was here, and we had a great, uh, fun time. And uh, yeah, we wish <laughs> you were. What? She doesn't remember much of it. <laughs> it was fun. Trust me. <laughs> we, we were doing all the talking. She was sitting in the corner getting drunk. Oh. <laughs> so it was really fun. Exactly. Well, she she played Cards Against Humanity, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I had a sleep in the car on the way home as well. <laughs> well, you know, that's allowed. <laughs> I remember the. I do remember the next day was probably the worst hangover of our trip. So we must have drunk a lot of beer. We're used to it by now. So speaking of hangovers, yeah. who wants some yeah, milk thistle? All right, give me some of your 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 dumb's placebo. Have this is placebo. milk thistle, some placebo oh, that Jeff has. Okay. Does it work at all? Like no. It, I don't know. Any it was free. 
and uh, I mean, it's not it's not good. it's not for hangovers. It's for your liver, right? It's li- well, help. Presumably, it helps metabolize your alcohol better. And, right. Who knows? Oh. It's uh, some GNC milk thistle that I got from my dead uncle who had uh, who died of liver failure. <laughs> He's a Yay! <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Alex, do you want some of this um, Thomas Hotties when I open it? Does anybody have any other beers that they that they uh, have missed and are looking? They wish would come back. Oh yeah, Alex, any beers it? that you missed that you wish would come back? Oh God, that's a big question. I, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. I have to. <laughs> I haven't really supplied a good one. I'm I'm trying to think of a good one that. For me, it's more about who I'm drinking with and where I'm drinking than the particular beer that I look forward to. Like, that's I can understand that absolutely because <laughs> set and setting makes makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah. Are we going to see you guys in uh, Philadelphia? I hope so. Yeah. I I, re- I have to check my schedule. I really hope to make when it out it? there. When is it? When is it? Do you know guys remember uh, the date? First to the well, we arrive on the 29th of, of April, and I think the the wrap up for the everything is around about the seventh or eighth of May. So we're there for a little while. Okay, I can probably get out there for a weekend at least. I would Sweet. I would love to get out there and say hi to you guys again. So yeah, I mean the, the latter part is better than the former part because when we're judging, there's well, I'm judging. She, you, you can hang out with Alex. When I'm judging, I just... That's I all I want to do. So, so, yeah. Really, that's the whole point, Greg. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Alex is, is more fun. Come on. judging, you just want to go to sleep. Excellent. Yeah, how is that beer, Greg? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it is, man. <laughs> yeah, I will put that in my calendar, and I will at least try to get out there for a weekend. Oh, here's a beer I wish would come back. Uh, Sierra Nevada's Old Celebration. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, why isn't there a Star Wars beer? Why didn't they think of that? Because Disney's yeah. too wholesome. Disney. Disney is not too wholesome. Come <laughs> on. Seriously, Disney. Marketing. I think they are too wholesome for alcohol. For 37 different VPs and, and, and presidents to get it approved. They're all about marketing toys, but I think alcohol's too far. Well, you were at Disney. They they sold alcohol a lot. Not at oh. the Magic Kingdom. Only no. at MGM Studios. Not the only place they sold them in the Magic Kingdom is like. The but can you imagine if you sold a Star Wars beer, how much money that would make? You could have you could have a like a I Game of Thrones beer. Could... I, I actually I saw a label today for someone doing like an unofficial Star Wars Stormtrooper beer. Right. It's an Imperial style with a Stormtrooper logo on the face. I saw a label today. But uh, I'm sure that'll get. I mean, this movie made a billion dollars in two weeks. A billion dollars in two weeks. That's like. Somebody would have done it if it was that easy. (laughs) Yeah, I just think Disney's uh, too family oriented, and there's too much of the country that uh, is is anti alcohol. What? Wait, what part of the country is anti alcohol? The whole middle. No, they are not anti alcohol. In in fact, they are. are. They are. Yeah, you cannot buy beer on Sundays, except at restaurants and bar or hotels. You can't get it to go. Meaning, well, that's Sundays. Uh, I mean, until uh... they pass their new beer law in June, you couldn't buy beer on major holidays. You couldn't buy a, a six pack of beer at the at the convenience store, or at the grocery store, 
on Christmas, Fourth of July, or whatever. That got fixed, except when that holiday falls on a Sunday, and then you still can't buy it. <laughs> so yeah, there's still those laws, Greg. Yeah, they still okay. So they're, they're still like a, a, in the middle of the country. There, there are people, but in the, on the sides of the country, but they don't I care. think I think a large portion of the country, if they saw Star Wars marketed with alcohol, I think it would put a sour taste. And I think Disney wants to stay away from that. I think there's still a lot of people out there who do that. That 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 would be surprising to me, but hey, they're not. And Disney knows much more about marketing than I do. Okay. Hey, okay, so I got a few items here. Steve, how's the Ohio alcohol cap? What's the latest on that? It's still at 12. Uh, there's legislation in the works to reverse it, to, to, to flop those numbers to 21. Uh, I think it will pass, and I think you have – actually, I live in Canal Winchester, where, yes, BrewDogs is building their North wow. American. Okay. So I think the – the, the gorilla in the room now is going to move that. Um, whether it will happen this legislative term or not, I don't know. But it's – I don't have a problem going and buying an 18% beer at a liquor store versus a beer store. Yeah. I know you it, – it, it makes no difference. The, the price point of those beers is not the six-pack or the, the, right. the case of Bush Light or Natty Light. That the that the so-called twenty-one-year-old is looking for, it's it's a different audience. Yeah, exactly. And also, you can go there. You know, I can go there. I don't have to wait for like the midnight hour to get something. I can go there during the you know during the day and get something because I know I'm not. I'm going to save it. I'm going to savor this thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, if you're going to set an alcohol limit. 12 seems ridiculously high, really, doesn't I mean? Why not just go, okay, screw it. Well, I mean, how many of the beers have we had that's more than 12 tonight? Well, I think I think 12 was kind of set arbitrarily as, oh, ridiculously high, right? If it's over that, oh. we need to worry about it, right? I mean, well, maybe she knows. But Dark Horse beers brews certain beers f- strictly for Ohio consumption. And if it's brewed, are you going to sell Tactical Nuclear Penguin there? What well, was it? Oh. that was a one-off. That's not a... a, a that's not a production beer. What was that? What was the percentage of, of that sucker? A lot of their beers sink the bar- are Bismarck well under the twelve. Oh yeah, that's right. Sink the Bismarck. That was yeah. I, I, yeah, I had sink the Bismarck the other day. That was interesting. How, not, what was the percentage on that? Uh, Fifty something. <laughs> what? I just what are you doing? I just something. I just had a one twenty proof uh, taste of whiskey tonight, and it was crazy hot. Yeah, I you bet. know, I'm, I'm used to like eighty proof whiskey, and I had a one twenty proof whiskey, and and Greg's talking about a hundred proof beer. Yeah, well, yeah. It, there's a, the, it doesn't have carbonation in it, right? I mean, what's well, Peter showing us? And well, these guys, anything like these, obviously, it's interesting when you're hey, talking about alcohol. Nice. That's true. Okay. Those, oh, this too. Those are good like stuff. Like Tuesday oh. and Top Hat Rain, right? <laughs> Last time I had those was with Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I like the case yeah. you got. Yeah, I mean, yeah we that, got a great Monday in the fridge. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the good thing, though. If you come to our show, if you come to our show, <laughs> we will guarantee you something awesome. <laughs> we'll break up. We'll pull out all the stops. Time is it? It's seven uh, minutes. Uh, yeah, two minutes until my alarm goes I, off. I've cracked the Thomas Hardy's two thousand and three guys. It's Alex is having some. It's good. Yeah, bring it on. Need, needs some uh, time. I think it's a bit rough. Oh, <laughs> not old enough yet. Like new years. Oh, yes. Yeah, we got the twenty fifteen. 
<laughs> which um, which particular year is that? That's this year's. This year. Oh wow! <laughs> how do you get on that list? <laughs> you ask. I don't know. It. I don't know how we did it, but we did. It looks like there something from. You ask and they send it. Address change for craft beer radio. <laughs> you do this dumb show wow. for ten years and, and you get. <laughs> Look, there's a same amount of beer cap. There on is. It, there's a is, cap. There's so a ma- cap. Ma- many people don't see this. I yeah. guess this is worth it, right? There's a Samuel Adams beer cap on the top. Of oh it. yeah, that's fantastic. I'd keep that cap. The department insisted. A little over five minutes for the rest of us on the East Coast. Yeah, this is our second bottle of Utopias. The first one I got was in 2008. And this is a pretty... If you guys don't remember yeah. the story, it's a fun story. Um, we've, had interview, we've interviewed Jim on the show before. It is. There's the five-minute mark. And I... Um, right... So, Allison was born in March. So, this is probably in February. Right. Like, I get this thing from their PR company, like, you know, talking about, hey, would you like to interview Jim? Something like that. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to get Jim on the show again. We've talked to him a couple of times. At the end of the email, it's one of those things you never know what you're going to get unless you ask. Kind of tongue-in-cheek. I'm like, if you guys have any uh, spare bottles of Utopias laying around, it'd be the perfect thing to toast the birth of my firstborn child. It was our first like real ask of a, of a company. <laughs> so I sent this email. No. Less yeah. than 20 minutes later, I get an email back from the PR person saying, it's in the mail. You know, $150 oh, wow. bottle of beer. No, this is even more. This is like a two hundred dollar bottle. Yeah, now it's up to two hundred bucks. So, of course, no hiss when you're you going to wash it. that out. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Jeff, did you ever try the William Laruella? What's that? The William the the, the William Laruella. Oh, the, the you know what? I, I I smelled it yesterday, but I haven't tried it yet. Oh, you've got to try it. I tried to buy well, some for Jeff. I will try it, Greg. I've been just looking for an opportunity to um. <laughs> New Year's Eve is not an opportunity. Well, <laughs> there's so much booze flowing tonight that I yeah. don't want to regret it. We, it. we kind of like... Yeah, good point. No, Ooh, no. I, I still have the... It's in a Valentine 15 bottle. Yeah. You don't need the Xylus. Is that cap airproof? It does. I, I have a bottle of 2000... So that first bottle I was just talking about, right? It's still on the shelf. I still got some of it left. And the cap works pretty good at keeping it... It, it smells hoppy. <laughs> No, that's just alcohol. Yeah, that's not hoppy. <laughs> yeah, that's no, there's like, there's there's triple buck in here that's almost thirty, like twenty six wow. years old, twenty seven years old. Oh, drink that now. Look, the last triple buck I had was about five years ago, and it was stuffed then. No, no, I, I was saying that this Utopias it has some of the old, oh. the original nineteen ninety five triple buck. It has some Utopias from previous years blended. All kinds of stuff has oh. gone in the beer. It's super intricately blended. I mean, Cosmic Mother Funk was a blended beer, so I, only, you know, I hope this is as good. Uh, so I it, thought you were saying you still had uh, triple box sitting around. I was going to say, yeah, don't don't hang on to that. No, no, I, I don't. I, we had some Remember bottles we tried of it. That? Oh my god, that was awful. <laughs> yeah, we had some pretty awful versions of triple box. You guys get Marmite there? I don't think you do. Yeah, I, I think can we can. We can get it. Yeah, you can get in specialty stores. Yeah, it tastes like Marmite. Market. I kind of, yeah. I kind of like Marmite. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's, there's, I like it too. I'm it's better than Vegemite. Yeah, it is. It is way better than Vegemite. Yeah, do you have a side in the spot? Don't care. <laughs> Oh, they're acquired tastes, right? <laughs> they are. They, they definitely are acquired tastes, but I do like Marmite. I don't like Vegemite very much. 
See, I don't care. I, I like both of them. Thinly Me spread too. on toast. They're fine. Yeah. So this Utopia is like 29% or 27%. It's like up higher than mm-hmm. previous years. And, hey, Jason, uh, what time zone is Minnesota in? Uh, we're one hour behind the East Coast. Yes, they're oh, central. Oh, okay. So you're not going to hang on for another two hours? <laughs> I don't know if we're going to go that long. We're probably going to go yeah. at least, we're, I mean, we typically go at least to one our time so we might do that but jason's getting all sith lordy on us here <laughs> jason looks like uh emperor popatine it's there it's 4 p.m here and now like it's between hamilton craig <laughs> well, hey, hey none of your ethnic slurs <laughs> yes hey, i was born and raised in new zealand my friend it's all good oh, yeah, absolutely boy <laughs> let's throw another shrimp on the barbie <laughs> <laughs> the aroma on this is pretty amazing it's um it's really hot to it's me. it's more woody than, it's very than syrupy woody. than all right we're, we're 11 59 we gotta we gotta right. calm down and, and start to do the uh hey 30 seconds oh 30 seconds Whoa. oh boy Ooh. <laughs> well all right so let me give my wishes to everybody i Absolutely hope everybody had a fantastic 2016. If you didn't, I hope you have a fantastic 2016. If you, if you did have a great 2015, I hope you have a great 2016. Everybody, have a great year. Are you going to say this again next year for next hour for Jason? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it, you're it, only it, talking to Steve right it's now. It's my time. It's the it's great. the people that care. It's Two. it's the one natural. Happy time. New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. year. I'm going to go upstairs and see if any of the family's still awake, mm. so you can carry the show. <laughs> it Don't does taste it really good. So it, it's it's a little piney, but it, I, I do like it. Well, happy New Year, everybody! For from us on the East Coast, the you know God's one true time zone to everybody exactly. else. <laughs> Real time. Yeah. <laughs> British was obviously just an afterthought. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, I mean, right. come on. I mean, it's there to set a standard, right? You know, this, the the Greenwich Standard Time. But come on, everyone knows East Coast is, is where it's at. Fuck the, fuck the English. Yeah, screw that. What have they ever done for us? Greenwich language. Language. Oh, no, wait, wrong thing. Language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Magna Carta, you know. Uh, give everybody, you know, the, the basic conception of laws and stuff like that. The best English poetry in the world. Nah. I was having a good argument. They gave us the IPA. They gave us the yeah. IPA? And, and the pale ale. That's true. They did. Oh, yeah. Okay, now you got. Now you have an argument. <laughs> I mean, all the other stuff was <laughs> in. But the IPA is a, is, a, is a damn good argument. <laughs> and then, okay, and... late, late. They gave us the IPA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, I changed my mind. They're very valuable to society. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys keep this uh, the podcast up. It's fantastic. So all the way here down and down under, I'm sure Greg will back me up. It's awesome to hear yeah. you guys every week, and uh, I really look forward to listening to you guys. It's I awesome. Mean, it's really good. I, I we really appreciate that. We've been doing it for ten years, and I don't I don't see us stopping anytime soon. 
uh, because we just we we love doing it, and you know we we do it if nobody listens, but it really gratifies us that people listen. I feel old, Greg. You guys have been doing this for ten years. I've been listening to it for ten years. That's <laughs> that, that's amazing. But I mean, if there's anybody, I mean, I think that we we are absolutely, and you can tell it because you've been here. You know, we yeah. are we are ourselves on the podcast. This is who we are. And that's what I love about it. That's why you're so believable and so why, why I tune in every week and I can't wait to hear your next your next version of uh, hear what you're talking about. It's great because you're real. It's great. Yeah. I mean, so, Pete, how deep have you gone, man? Do you know what particular type of porn Jeff likes to masturbate to? <laughs> I don't even know if I remember I that. That's amazing that you remember that. <laughs> Greg, I can't say I recall for that particular episode. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no. I love the fact that if you listen to these guys, the pre-show and the post-show, there, there ends up being nothing you don't know about them. And that's that's absolutely true. Ourselves yeah. come out of the pre and post-show. I mean, like, we, yeah, we, we we hold it in on the main show, but there's there's nothing we don't yeah. tell on the pre and post. That's what I love about it, right? That's why I, yeah. I get. That's why I enjoy listening to you guys. Neither of us would be gainfully employed if our potential employers listened to every post show. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, everybody has skeletons. We just we just bear them. Yeah. Oh, I I said to my boss in my new job, I said, look, this, you know, you obviously did you not Facebook search me? You didn't find out I was this angry libertarian guy that likes to get into arguments and have this crazy fucking thing. And he's like, yeah, no, I did. I wanted someone who was going to be themselves. Yeah. Like, oh, that's enlightened in this day and age. Yeah, and get you sued in the U.S. It could, well, especially if you try oh, yeah. to run for yeah. office or something. Facebook. Yeah, not to get me excommunicated from California. <laughs> hey, as an employer that not has really in California, don't even joke about that state. There are plenty of places <laughs> in California you could go and and be fine. I mean, yeah. California has has lots of different areas, and they the, they have their you know their red areas as much as they have their blue areas. Well, this is true, and I, I'm always amused by their um, the state motto, right? The, the live free or die sort of. Well, no, that's that's New Hampshire, but you know what yeah. I mean. Um, the, the California was a state very much founded on freedom, and yet I think if I'm if I'm right, they're the most regulated state in the in the union. Would I be right there about a, that? There was a battle between New Jersey and California, and it was toxic waste dumps and lawyers. New uh. Jersey won the coin toss. Well, they keep in mind, the biggest cities in California are San Francisco and Los Angeles. Yeah, that's a weird thing, isn't it? I mean, There's those are... Those are gigantic cities, and they're full of very liberal people. Yeah, but they're both very different from each other, like massively different. California's a huge state. California's as large as, men, as most countries. They're not yeah. too far apart as far as politics. Maybe not, but just just hanging out of them as a foreigner, they seem very different culturally from each other. They are, they are very yeah. different culturally. Um, you know, one is you know, San Francisco is very expressive, and Los Angeles, yeah. for all it's talking about expressive, is actually very tightly held in in, in terms of what they talk about. Yeah, it, it's what I'd call conservative, but mm-hmm. that's you guys have a different meaning for that word. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the film industry is. I don't know what it is now. It's the top five or ten industries in the state of California. San Francisco and Sacramento wanted to put a law in that there was no un, 
unpaid interns. Do you know how many unpaid interns are in the TV and movie industry in, in California? Almost everybody. Exactly. <laughs> and almost, almost made it to a vote. Wow. Almost. Because that's, that's illegal here. You're not allowed to have unpaid interns in New Zealand. You have to employ them. If you were as large as Los Angeles and your entire economy was based on the the movie industry where what you do is you get people who want to rise up in the industry to work for you for free. Um, yeah. They're then, no, Greg, yeah. they're college students doing it for college credit. Right. Come on, play along. Right. Well, either way, getting play along. Or illegal immigrants. What's amazing is that is now, I mean, it wasn't a time where that's where, that's where you could shoot because it was relatively cheap. Now they go to, to Toronto and stuff because it's cheaper there. Yeah. And Vancouver. Oh, well, Greg, this reminds me, while I'm thinking about it, you'll be pleased to know I'm coming around to your way of thinking on guns. Awesome. <laughs> Jeff, I'm with your camp. Every legally sane citizen should have one. That way when the bank robbers come in, they don't know who has a gun and who doesn't. So that's, that's not really <laughs> that's my... So, that's so really Steve, Steve, that's fine. I mean... That's okay. That's not really my my current stance. I was kidding. I was oh. trying to get <laughs> okay. Craig going. Oh, okay. My current stance <laughs> is <laughs> that we need to figure out how to fix this. This is great for the show. Yes. Uh, my my stance is I think one gun for every American is enough. I don't think we need more. So <laughs> that's pretty conservative. Yeah. Greg. Yeah. I think that's enough. I think you know that's a good point where we have one gun in the country for every single person. So I get my gun, Allison's gun, and Max's gun. Sweet. Yeah. Well, yes. Okay. I'm <laughs> I'm willing to say, look, that's enough. <laughs> well, Max has like 35 Nerf guns. Max so. does have 35 Nerf guns. It's true. <laughs> you should see how many guns this kid got for Christmas. It's like he got 12 Nerf yeah, guns. Yeah, it's Christmas. ridiculous. That's escalation right there, man. That's escalation. It is kind of. I think is. I think Max is gonna become a, a gunsmith when he grows up for sure. Has <laughs> anyone watched Walking Dead? You can't take time to load a gun. You need a loaded gun. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah, uh, that is true, right? I mean, if if the if the walkers are coming, then yeah. you you, you best buyers. have a gun ready. Now, hang on. So you guys live in the land of Trump. Nobody yet has brought up the zombie apocalypse. I'm waiting for it, right? Surely Trump's going to say, when the zombie apocalypse comes, I want to have all the guns. And people say he's telling the truth. There's too much better stuff. Because why worry about zombies, this fictional thing, when you have the Arabs, the the real thing? I mean, right? That's that's true. Yeah, yeah. The Arabs who were zombies in their in their own right, because they all they think about is Islam, right? That's it. And they just want to convert you or kill you. That that's the only thing Muslims do. That's the Trump look. So it is. It is a zombie fiction. That's what it is. It's zombie fiction. Yeah. It's just it's talking about a different, a slightly different subject than you're used to. So he's he's got to go right. I mean, this is this is he's not going to get anywhere, right? I Please can't see how the GOP lets somebody like that be their presidential candidate. If if they want to destroy their party, it's a good way to do it. Well, isn't their party destroyed already? I mean, not no, really. No. no, no. I mean, but this guy would be associated with such horrible shit that if they were to if they were to accept this guy as as their uh, as, as as their presidential candidate, then the entire party will be scandalized essentially. Right, hey, Greg. Because I mean, yeah. to me already, like 
got the the Republican Party is there if you hate the Democrats so much that you just want to Republican as an anti reaction. I mean, they're not serious. No, are they? no, no. That's no, that's, they're serious. But Steve, no. what were you saying? Well, he's going to be the VP candidate to keep him on the ticket and to instead of being a third party. And that's possible. To to. to you, to expand on what you were saying is it's that exactly right is I will vote Republican because I am so anti-Democrat I don't care who is on the ticket right. for the Republican right. and it's the same thing for Democrats is I don't care who is on the Republican candidate I hate them so much I will vote right. Democrat is that what it's come to so there's no yeah. real debate yeah. anymore yes that is what it's come to well here. I mean well okay let me let me put it this way that's what the media wants you to believe that's what it's come to and, well, that's my only view, right? As, a, as somebody who lives on the other side of the world, that's my only view of it. Well, I mean, we are just as susceptible as you are to media stuff, so that is what people believe. Sure. Except, except so for places have, like us in Australia. Talk, right? So you, you at least get your peers' view on things. You get this. All we have is what we're thinking. No, because our, our peers' view is influenced by, by, by what we watch on TV, and that, re- I mean... <sighs> Very few people have meaningful conversations and have like substantial conversations about this thing. It's just talking points that people learn from their news organizations that they watch. Okay. So and that includes that includes us liberals as well. Let's let Peter get in here. Peter's been trying to get in. Yeah. You don't have to vote in the states, right? Nope. In Australia, we must vote or we get a fine. Yeah, it's just you. Someone else vote. does that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, the NRA, for example, has a huge sway because they can be bought. They can buy their votes. They can, you know, the money over in the, in the USA is huge, for the, and the NRA has a huge pull well, because I, not everyone has to vote, so they can buy their votes. It's not just money. I mean, it's related to money. It's absolutely everything's related to everything else. Uh, it, there's a political climate that says that. The maximization of gun ownership is good, and where that comes from is a protectionist policy that links into uh, uh, the current conservative mindset in the country. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't know any other way to put it that, that you know liberation. Then, uh, then if everyone had to vote, that would be voted out. Well, I mean, you you've, you guys talked about how. Your version of conservative is different from our version of conservative, but it's just the different versions of conservative. It's not like, I mean, it it, it varies from country to country, but it's just the version of conservative versus liberal that's going on there. It's not like there's there's a definite demarcation between worldwide conservative and liberal. It's simply this varies from country to country. No, there is. I'm I'm sorry, Greg. There definitely is. The U.S. is the only country in the world that I'm aware of. Where can, what you guys call conservative politics is so tied to religion? Iran. Hey, good on you, well, Greg. <laughs> sure. But what I'm saying is, for most of the rest of the world, it's it's. Um, no, and it, uh, I think any place where religion is is a versus... Israel. I think any place where religion is a major component of society, you're going to find that that condition. And it, it is true Just that America. Get to vote. What was that? <laughs> I said, outside the U.S., those people don't get to vote. They're told what they, they're going to be voting But I mean, but like, it, Israel's a good example of a place where everybody gets to vote, but it's very influenced by religion. 
Uh, yeah. and, and there are other places like that. Um, Iran that, is not. No, Iran is not. But <laughs> these places are few and far between. But that whole area is very influenced by religion. And we are sort of a weird extension of that area by how influenced we are by religion as opposed to the rest of the world. Yeah, but normally it's an argument between fiscal conservatism and... And also, I, I would... Sorry, I, I just want to make this point that the Latin America is the same way. They're very influenced by religion. There's a very... Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You just mentioned fiscal conservatism, Greg, and... Really? I didn't mean, I'd mentioned conservatism, not fiscal well, conservatism. No, the other Greg. That's different. The other Greg just mentioned fiscal okay. conservatism. And I was going to say, while 10 years ago that was part of the conversation... It's really not part of the conversation. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the weird thing is that fiscal stuff is not tied to the moral stuff anymore. It really isn't. I mean, the the people on the moral uh, conservative side are very much tax and spend people. they, 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 They say they're not, but they absolutely are. And the people on the more liberal side are actually a lot of people who defected from the conservative side and are more conservative in terms of their economics like they don't want like you know they don't want to complete you know turn to a socialist economy they they, they want a, a relative free market they just want some regulations on it so it's like it, and, and and of course the extreme left wants you know complete control from the government and that's not what the uh, the people most of the people that are on the left now but it's just it's a wave i mean right now it, it the, the the crest is on the democratic side but i think it's you know it happens over time it's going to flip yeah, I just can't. I can't. Ima- I can't think of the last time that I've heard fiscal conservatism being mentioned mm-hmm. in the Republican storyline. Right. Early eighties. It's just not yeah, there yeah. anymore. And yet, it's on their website as their core value. Well, I mean, you'd think that that a real fiscal conservative would look at supply side economics and say, "Okay, that didn't work. <laughs> Let's try something new." Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm not just because I don't like supply side economics doesn't mean that I'm you know not a fiscal conservative. It just means look, that didn't work. Let's try something that actually works. Because I I appreciate the idea of let people you know earn something more if they do something more valuable. I appreciate that, and I think that should be uh, an important component in terms of society. But I don't think that that means let people who aren't exactly what the society wants, let them die. Oh, I don't think anybody thinks that. I think wow. you'd be surprised how many people do. <laughs> really? Can you give me an example? <laughs> no, come on. There's no way from what I've ever heard Jim saying. No, I'm joking. Are... I'm joking. But there... Uh... I have a hard time... We had the whole lighting farts on fire, right? Argument, like right? He, he he would not yeah, yeah, yeah. he would not pay for someone to survive that lights farts on fire for for their living. And I would say, look, who knows? I mean, yeah. who knows? Somebody's going to find that enjoyable, right? I mean, it's going to happen. It, it, it it's rule thirty four. If you can market it, if yeah. you can market it, go for it. Don't yeah, so so open up the ability for people to well, market. No, no Greg what says I, if I, you can market it, which means if you can make money from it, not get a stipend for... Well, what I'm saying is is remove the barriers for people to market these things. Remove as much the barriers as possible. And guess what? The there barrier? are definitely going to be people... What, what's the barrier? The ability to get yeah. the word out that you're lighting farts on fire for you know to for people to enjoy. The internet has helped in all this stuff, but it hasn't completely you know ruined, destroyed all the barriers for people to access the stuff that, you know, for people to get the entertainment they want so what i'm saying is open 
open the world up and do everything you can to open the world up to people who want things. And guess what? You're going to have an exchange of wealth because that's what's Sounds going to well. happen. Yeah. So, yes. And, and that means, yeah, you got to support people who aren't immediately productive. Yeah, because they're going yeah, they're going to be productive ultimately. And even if they have no productive ability in society, they know people and they they, they exist with other people. And therefore, they're productive in that sense. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Look, this is a productive you know, environment. Let's give people the ability to survive and to thrive in this environment. And guess what? You're going to get an increase of wealth. Yeah, but I think you're conflating two arguments because I, I, actually I agree with almost I everything you said. Right. So the first point you were making was let's get rid of the barriers. Absolutely agree with that. That's that's dismantling any regulation around how people can communicate. Everyone should have equal access to everything. It's you know, let's get rid of it all. Right. Everyone should. I, I can reach you. You can reach me. This yes. is good. You may need some regulation to get there. I hate that idea, but we may we may need to. I'm you okay you, you got to prevent robber barons because they're going to happen. Yeah. So you yeah, need I'm, to have you need to have laws, you need to have things you got to do in order to in order to to be a part of the society because people are going to try to to take advantage of it. Yep, I don't disagree. In in, in that transition period, it's going to be hard. There's always going to have to be something going on there that isn't laissez-faire. Mm-hmm. Um, so Greg, then, let me pipe in here. Yeah, go it's ahead. It's not the government's job to feed, clothe, house, or shelter anybody. Why isn't it the government's job? job to make sure that the food that they buy isn't poison, that the house that they buy is safe, and that the clothes that they buy isn't going to com- turn into combustible material. It's I agree. Not, it's not the government's job to make sure every person has a T-bone steak on their plate. Well, wait a minute. That's surviving where... is different than having a t- Surviving is different than surviving in luxuries. No, but see, that's where the, the where I say the, the, the liberal, liberals right now are saying – I had a T-bone steak for dinner. I want a T-bone steak for dinner. Well, I worked 97 hours last week. How many hours did okay, you work? Okay, look, look, I mean, I uh, think I think you're you're shot. I think you're taking advantage of the argument by saying uh, a T-bone steak is 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 what people want. Now, I agree. People who aren't making enough wealth to get luxury should not get luxury. However, I do think you should be able to have a meal on the table. Now, I'm not saying it has to be a T-bone steak. I think it should be reasonably healthy and reasonably good to fill you up. I'm not saying it has to be like it's not There's a luxury. There's no rules on the, in, on the food stamp program of, of what they can buy and what they can't. I know. It's it's a bad program in that sense. Uh, but it but the in order to get out to the most people, they have to make it the most open it is. They can't restrict necessarily what they get because then you have people having to go to particular shops in order to get what they can get. It's a little different now. Things have changed a little bit, but you understand the basic point, which is that sometimes they would go to a place and they wouldn't be able to buy anything. So you have to open it up more. See, I'm there for, okay, health insurance, giving gap coverage. I've known people that have quit working because it costs them health care coverage for them and their kids. So what? yeah, give them gap coverage so that they can be a productive member of society instead of just sitting there and getting a benefit that they're not earning. Well, here's what I'm they're- saying. Even with yeah. the people who are leeching on stuff, it's actually better for you and more successful and better in terms of your ability to make money for them to be leeching than it is for them to die. It is a better use of your money to pay them to survive 
than it is to want them gone. Because having more people in the system actually makes the system work better. Regardless of whether they're leeching or not. The more people you have, the the better your curve is going to be, the better that your, uh, your, your general distribution of things are going to be. And it's absolutely going to affect other people because other people are affected by the people they know and the people that they talk to. So it, so you're going to get leeches on either side. It's going to happen. Hello? What happened there? I'm trying Peter to... dropped off. Okay. Bye, Peter. I'm trying to get Jason on the, on the Hangout. So a different Jason. Okay. But it, it, anyway, you got the point. Or at least what I was saying. If you have any, you know, things to say about it, absolutely. Uh, You guys froze there for a second. Are we still on? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I was saying, uh, if you have any uh, thoughts about uh, what I was saying, please. Whoa, did we kill everyone without politics conversation? Apparently. Yeah, Pete said he had, he chatted, he had to go. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's 20 past 12. So, I mean, like, I mean, I'm not... It, I am saying let's do everything we can to make sure people to, to make sure people survive because people affect other people. It's a gigantic web. It's not uh, you're not only valuable society if you make wealth for people. But the more we can expand that, the the more our wealth will grow. It's, it's the rising tide will lift all boats. So I'm saying yes, you pay for the people who only want to light your farts because guess what? There will be people who only want to light their farts and will do nothing for society, but you're going to also affect 15 people who are trying to do something artful and maybe three of them will make something awesome or make something that at least people will buy, but that'll be worth more than having these 15 people be, be removed from your society. I struggle with that a bit. How, how do you I understand. feel about What was that? I, I said, how do you feel about the concept of equal opportunity but not equal outcome? Because everyone throws around the word equality these days. Well, right? I don't want equal outcome, but I do want equal opportunity, and I do want equal uh, e- equal access to opportunity. Yep. So I, I agree. With that. So, and, and I don't think that that's the case, and so we have to do what we can to ensure that at least there. I mean, like that the next uh, whoever the next uh, you know whatever your 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 idol is is not necessarily going to come from a, from a place that has an amazing uh you know that has, that has a great way of lifting people up it could come from uh you know some some poor slum and but you want that mind whether it's yeah, going to come from from a poor slum or whether it's going to come from a rich area yep agree totally let's talk about something else uh, <laughs> all right so I like I, star wars i have another beer related like item you want to go back to beer? I kind of do. All right. Jeff's going to have a beer thing. <laughs> Fucking <Ginger>. beer. <laughs> so um, one of the topics I want to talk about when we were still talking about beer things was glassware. And like, I'm like. I was going to Star Wars. Um... <laughs> I don't have enough room for glassware, but what's your question? Uh, I'm woefully dis- disappointed with the state of glassware at bars and taverns. And like how it's all shaker pints, and I, I just feel that beer, craft beer, whatever term we're using these days, needs to get beyond that. We need to get more things like the Spiegel beer. Okay, tulip. well, here's the issue I have with that. 
and and if you guys have anything to say about it, please do. My issue is you have two kind of extremes: one that uses only shaker pints, and one that uses a separate glass for every beer. And that's sort of what's expected. And so if you had a place that only gives like Spielgott glasses, people would be like, how come I don't get a this glass or this glass? Because that's what they're used to in a place that gives you different sort of glassware. And then you say this gives you a superior drinking experience. Yeah, but people aren't going to buy that. Because people, most people They'll don't know. They'll buy what you tell them. And it's, it's, it's true. It's an education. It is true. It doesn't mean they're going to buy it. They'll buy it. Here's what I like. Peter was drinking from the Spiegelow IPA glass. I mean, people know about glasses, and you know, I no, went... no, beer fans know about glasses. People don't. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Greg's right. Um, what I was going to say though is that wouldn't it be great if bars get down to charging by the milliliter or by the I don't know what you guys what the equivalent what what's the smallest unit of measure there? Ounce, ounce. Millions. That's like twenty eight mils, isn't it? For an ounce, something like that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. I don't know. A shot glass, right? Is it an ounce? Yeah, it's an ounce, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. So, a shot One sixteenth of a pint. Right. Right. There you go. So, you know, these very exact that, measurements we have. Yeah. How about letting people, you say, this is what we charge per ounce of beer. Bring your own glass. We'll measure it. Then we'll pour it in that glass all night. People wouldn't bring their own glasses. Well, I should try that, should though. I should about the glasses that are served. Yeah, if you did that, I'm sure yeah. they would. I should try that. Bring my speed glow with me. Yeah, but you know, well, I like I went that... to this really. I went to this new place here in Cranberry called Pig Iron, and um, it's all about craft beer. They have sixty six taps, really focused on Pittsburgh breweries, and uh, you know, one came in a, or two of my beers came in a shaker pint, and one came in this you know ten ounce, not very good mm-hmm. tulip, and I'm like, you know, I just this is well, bring it. Uh, maybe Greg is exactly right. Bring this it. is the epitome of beer drinking, right? Glass, right here. And <laughs> I wouldn't say that because who knows what's going to come in the future. Well, until it's invented. I mean, all the bar should care about is how much volume they're selling, right? They, right. they shouldn't yeah. care whether it's what glass they're serving it in. Exactly. So if you say to them, "This is this much. This is this is sixteen ounces. Measure it if you want, or you can trust me. Give me sixteen ounces of beer in this glass. Charge this me is like it. twenty and a half ounces, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but are they going to fill it up to the top? Or, yeah. I know what you mean, though. It's tricky. Yeah, it is tricky. Any thoughts, yeah. Steve? I, I, it can be done. If you wanted to, it could be done. You're going to run into different states that have that you can only serve so many percentage of alcohol. That's true. Oh, so you, you guys do. That's true. You have shit. that. And you also have, I don't know if there, there are states that have things where you have to serve in a different glass, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were. <laughs> it's, like, a size, it's the size of the serving, not the, yeah. the, the style of glass, but yeah. yeah. That's a good point. And you can easily measure a pint glass versus one of these because it's, it's non standard. Like you said, 20 something. Put lines on it. For a country you... found on freedom, you guys have a lot of extraneous laws. Well, yeah, the whole it's 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 a bunch of nonsense. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a bunch of weird mythology that we have about America. Oh, right, and this, everyone's little belief systems come into play, and right. it always ends up with war. It's horrible. It's I mean, we've got it bad here, but at least there's only one set to worry about. I mean, you know, we grow up, you know, 300 million of us are growing up with, with this sort of pounded into our head as we grow up in terms of, you know, how, what the founding fathers were and, and what they believed. And there were, yeah. there were a bunch of different people with a bunch of different ideas just like today. And so yeah. there wasn't like, there wasn't just this monolithic thing that the founding fathers believed. It was 
this yeah, wide spectrum belief. I do think they did an amazing thing. I'm not trying to detract from what the founding fathers did for the states. I have a lot of respect for them, but they did. They're... But they weren't like this, like monolithic warriors for freedom. They were no, and it, and it, didn't, it didn't spring out of nothing, right? It yeah. was thought out and it was figured out, and it planned to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that was the thing. The Constitution was developed so, hey, you know, you can amend it, you can change this thing if you need to. Yeah. Because you're probably going to. And guess what? We, we've we put 26 amendments on it already. So, oh, no. oh, God, I'm bringing it back to politics again. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. Stop doing that. Uh, so, okay. Do you, have, you guys, have you guys both seen Star Wars? Yes. Yes. All right, good. So I can talk about Star Wars stuff. Because I just saw it uh, on Monday, and I want to talk about it. Yeah, Greg got thoroughly spoiled funny. by me. I to see it. I actually... <laughs> So let me put it this way. I actually, I really appreciated being spoiled on it because what I've heard from lots of people is, you know, they saw it the first time and then they saw it the second time to really appreciate it. Whereas I could go in there not having to like wait for the story and just appreciate the movie for what it was. And it was a lot of fun. I really liked it a lot because it moved. Remember when Star Wars was fun? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Remember when like it was, it was a fun action adventure thing and he just, he just kept going uh, that was that was great. Uh, remember when these last three things where they were boring slogs, and especially like the the third one where not only is it a boring slog, but he kills kids. How is that Star Wars? How is that this fun adventure? Oh, I, I enjoyed that, but I like it when people kill kids. <laughs> Jason, hope hope you've seen Star Wars. If not, you're getting spoiled. Oh, Jason. Oh, hey, Jason. So I just uh, edited. So I screwed up the hangout. Apparently, the, pack, the hangout He's was apparently right only good for two hours. Oh, so people oh. after eleven couldn't join. I just I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it happened. So I just edited it. And We've now... had a lot of problems. <laughs> but this is—you've got mute on, man. Yeah, Jason, you're muted. Oh. What? Oh. Now you're muted again. Kind of, sort of figured out. Oh, now he's. Hey. There you go. Uh, ah. Now he's again. Everyone else be quiet. Right. Zip it. Oh All right. God. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Star Wars, Jason? No. Oh, oh conversation to come in yeah. on. All right. I can still talk about Star Wars without spoiling anything. Yeah, I, I don't care. My, I, I wanted to take my son this weekend, but I just called him at midnight. Do you care he's about being spoiled? Ex- He's with my ex-wife, and I found out he went today, so I'm all pissed off about it. <laughs> but my question is, do you care yeah, about being spoiled? Because I, I, I don't. Go ahead. I don't care if you talk about it; it's all good. Yeah, because I, I, I super, like I said before, I super appreciate not or totally being spoiled because I could watch the movie for what it was and have to like listen to to the context and figure out what what you know what was going on. I knew exactly what was going on at every point in the movie and so I was able to just sort of appreciate the movie and it was great. But anyway, so I was talking about how it was it was fun. It was kinetic and it moved. It wasn't these prequels where it's this sad and like horrible story. While I'm with Greg that us you know a sad or horrible story can be a really good story. It isn't on its own a good story just because you make something you know dark. It it, it especially a, 
a franchise like Star Wars that is built on fun and action and adventure. There was no adventure in those three movies. No. It was just this boring sitting down and talking about politics. Um, and that that maybe that may fit a Star Trek, but it doesn't fit a Star Wars. That's not the movie. I don't want to see Darth Vader kill pe- kill kids. That's not Star Wars to me. That's just bullshit. You can do an arty and dark Star Wars movie, but you can't do an arty and star a dark Star Wars movie and do it lazy. Because guess what? You get the prequels. Well, if you were, you know, you're talking about how dark, you know, you want to show how dark the dark side is, right? But I agree. You don't need to kill kids to do that. I mean, I won't spoil it for Jason, but you, you know exactly the moment in the, the most recent one where you saw just how dark the dark side is. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, and it worked. And, and it worked, and it also worked because the character was interesting, right? Because I think that Kylo Ren is a very interesting character. I really conflicted like what they're doing well. with him and how he's conflicted and how it's, it's, this, it's this real pressure about, you know, which way he goes and he doesn't know. And, yeah, he's yeah. whiny, but that works for the character. I mean, Luke Skywalker in the original Star Wars was whiny. I, I want to. I don't want to go to Tossy Station. Yeah. And pick a power. Converters. I want to pick some power converters, Uncle Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I thought um, Kylo Ren was excellent. I didn't think he was whiny. I thought he was genuinely struggling. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, so I read a rev- I read a really good review. It was talking about the Kylo character should have been the Anakin character when he was struggling. Right, right. right. I mean, struggling with the... I mean, th- there was more in the whatever, you know, 20 minutes of, of screen time Kylo had than there was in three movies of Anakin in terms of struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was really... That could have been superimposed on Anakin's struggle and transformation. Well, there's, a, there's also another problem with the, with the prequels. And so, you know, not uh, trying not to spoil anything by concentrating on how why the prequels were so horrible. But part of the reason was, I mean, this is a huge universe. Look at, they managed to, you know, pull like three stories in there. Only two were sort of Jedi related. Finn wasn't really Jedi related. I mean, dealt with, he played with a, with a lightsaber, but so did Han Solo in, in Empire. There's, there really is this pull that of, you don't need it's, it's a Star Wars movie you don't need to have it be a, exclusively about the Jedi the Jedi were a part of the three original movies they weren't the entirety you don't have to have this story about Darth Vader it could be a part of your story but your entire three movies doesn't have to be focused on Darth Vader there's so many other stories to tell right and if you're gonna do something on Darth Vader make it awesome don't make it this shitty movie Three movies about Darth Vader. Yeah, I'm excited that you loved the movie because I, my tweet when I came out of the movie was without, I didn't want to spoil anything. I'm like, well, that was fun. That was fun. That was the feeling, right? And you're right, it's the second best Star Wars movie. And I was thinking, we got got somebody else. We got got somebody joining us. That's loud. Hey, Jason, you got a lot of background noise there. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna meet you, Jason, for a little bit, if we can. How do we do that? I tried. Wow, that's noisy. All right, what do we got? What options do we have here? <laughs> Woo!
All right. Hey, there we go. All right. All right. So okay. Anyway, uh, any thoughts? <clears throat> well, Jeff, you had some stuff. I mean, yeah, I was real. I was, I was worried that you were. I was raving about the movie, and how much fun it was, and and I wasn't sure how much like it was genuinely a good movie versus me reminiscing about right. my childhood, and also the thing you you don't have is relating to my son who right, yeah. enjoyed the movie, right? Well, I'm not I'm and, not a like big Star Wars fan. I mean, I right. I like Star but Wars. I thought it I'm was not, just, like, I don't love it. I thought I'm it was not, just crying a really anymore. fun movie. And it was. And really good movie. I'm glad you I'm glad yeah. that what I thought was fun coming out of it, you know, wasn't just uh JJ Abrams star flares. Well, it you know? moved, right? I mean, it was like it was like a um I, I compare action movies, particularly these Star Wars movies and like Indiana Jones movies, right? These things that are you know that are based on these old serials, these Flash uh-huh, Gordons, right. where there's a little bit of of a of a hill you got to climb, like a roller coaster, and then you're just moving for the rest of it, and it should just keep moving. If these things don't keep moving, if they stop, that's a bad sign. That's not an adventure movie. That's a that's a shitty movie. Or it's a movie where people are concentrating on those points, which is not what Lucas was doing. <laughs> for, for, for the, he was not making arty, awesome movies. He was making shitty movies where he would throw all the special effects he could at stuff. And it was just and, and special. And as, as he said in whatever this, you know, the, the, the early 80s, a special effect without a story is not very interesting. So how long was that the last Star Wars movie? It was a little too long. I mean, I, you can shave 15 minutes off of it easy. No, but see, the reason I'm asking is because it, I realized when I got out and I really needed to pee <laughs> that it was quite long. Yeah. But I didn't know. And to me, that's the sign of a good movie. I want to say it was 2.15. I'm not sure about that. Uh, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Long at a good place, though, right? I mean, you got out. You didn't feel like anything had dragged it was really good. I mean, I can see some places you can cut. You can cut almost all of the Han Solo's ship stuff and not lose a thing. Right? All the Cthulhu monsters on Han Solo's ship. Oh, but it was, oh, it was so fun. It was fun, but you don't need it. It you was know. it was Han Solo trying to talk himself out of a situation. Yes, yes, fine, but but you don't need it for the story. You don't no. need it to to tell you anything about the characters about the story. What I'm saying is how can you cut this to I mean you could have a whole separate story about Han Solo and his and his stuff. You could have Well, they're going to cut one next yeah. year. Yeah, exactly. So so you could you you could do that fine and you can have you can tell that story without having to put it in in this Sure, movie. you could have cut it, but I I don't think it took away from the movie. I think I don't no, was, I don't think it took away from the movie except that it lengthened it because more than it needed. There was to be. that there was a the slight little arc where the the, the Falcon gets captured, and you think it's a Star Destroyer, right? And then Han and Chewie come onto the Falcon, right? And they're home, and it's like huge, um, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, no, I agree. It, it was a but, slightly but, large, but, but but even him between the two gangs of rival bad guys, and him trying to talk him away, trying to talk himself out of it, like even when all hope is lost. No, you you, know, you could just, do that with simply the Empire coming at you and him trying to talk him away out of it, and do it in a minute as opposed to doing it in six or seven. You could do that and not lose any story at all. And, it was homages to the 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 creatures were the homages back to. The uh, Empire Strikes Back when they're on the moon. Oh, I agree. It was then, cool. I'm not the, saying it wasn't two. cool, and I'm not saying that that it, it wasn't a neat sequence. What I'm saying is that I would have cut that. I would have said, "All right, this is good stuff, 
but you got to kill your babies when you're editing. You got to you got to remove the stuff that you love because you want to make this thing flow crazy fast. The the monster chase part of it, I can see cutting the the him with the showdown with the two gangs. I thought was really You could good. compress that and make that a smaller story and make that a smaller thing. That was the homage yeah. to the bar scene from the first episode. No, that was in no, the bar scene from the first episode came when they landed on the uh Oz whatever it yes, was. Yeah. yeah. That's was that's where Well, the, Sort of. Yeah, that was. You didn't need that but twice. But him talking his way out of it, though. I mean, you didn't need that twice. You back. could have done that at, 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 you know, you could have done that in several places and had that character trait reinforced without having to. Not like I said, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying I as... did feel like it was a little over long, and if I was trimming places, that would be where I would go first. Okay, let me explain. It's, it's the same as Back to the Future Two. The entire movie you knew was coming out in Back to the Future Three in six months. That whole scene was just the thing to it's the next Star Wars movie in a year. Him. Really? Can't unmute him? I don't know. Sorry, we're listening, Steve. He's probably just... being like, no spoilers at this point. No, Steve, <laughs> sorry, we're not ignoring you. We're just trying to make sure Jason's yeah. not locked out. I think it's where you muted him. You're going to have to unmute him. Well, actually, we can't unmute we him. We can't. It won't let us. Hopefully Uh-oh. he can unmute himself. I'm, I'm in touch with him on Twitter. So. All right. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, you were saying... The, that the whole reason that stuff was in there was only to set up the it's the it was a what a twenty minute preview for the next Star Wars movie the the Han Solo movie. Sure, really? sure. Well, I mean, you can, but you didn't have yeah. to. You didn't need to do that. You could have done a lot of that setup without having. You know, but it you, wasn't you could, a twenty minute promo for the next. No, movie. no, it's true that that's a good point. That there was a marketing reason for that extra time, but. If I was if I was trying to make the leanest and, and, and best movie possible, that's where I would have looked to to cut some stuff. But then it's too then there's too much move, there's too much action in. You needed that downtime. You needed the downtime, but I think you got some of the downtime in like when 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 Ray is looking at the lightsaber, just in that whole area with Mods Kanata. That that that's a bath that's a prime bathroom time when she is talking with the with the yellow Yoda. You guys yeah. are missing something. Well, that, well, that was a... Hold on, hold on. Hey, Greg, what are you saying? I was just going to say, you guys are missing something important. The other thing that went on in that the, the scene that you would have cut, Greg, is the massive um, personality and character development between Ray and Finn, where he was kidnapped by the, the whatever they were called, the crazy monster things, the Cthulhu's. Um, and, you could accomplish you know, that with with you, you, you could being in danger. You could totally accomplish that with the Imperials find Han's ship. They attack his ship. It creates something that 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 breaks and and something falls down. And she saves Finn from that. And they get out the yeah, Millennium Falcon because the Millennium Falcon. You is... could, but I'm talking about with scenes that are in the movie that establish that. You you want to pull that out. You'd have yeah, to I, I, I want to compress that into a minute as opposed to being six or seven minutes because I think you could do that. Okay. I see your point. I, I wouldn't take it out though. I, okay, I, I mean, I felt it was. I felt it. It was a little overstuffed. I felt it was a little long, and you could cut fifteen minutes of it, and it could work. And that was where I would start. Okay. But I mean, for me, the overlong part was the attack on the the planet, the star destroyer. The... Sure, you can definitely and that I, star. If, if I yeah, if, if I were writing this thing, I would star put killer. De- another That's Death right. Star in it. But I understand what they were doing. I understand they were saying, "Hey, you remember Star Wars? It's back," and that was very nice to see. 
because yeah, remember this fun movie series where it, you know it's funny and it's enjoyable and and, and you, you you feel like you, you feel happy when you get out of the theater. Yeah, here it is, and that's great, and I loved it. So I'm not you know, so those kind of things it's like yeah, you could cut a you cut a bunch of that, <laughs> and it still be great. I mean, yeah, it's just. But I mean, I get what they were doing with, with putting another Death Star in there by saying, "Hey, here." Hear your Star Wars. I mean, that was probably my least favorite part was, you know, like the cockpit shots of X-Wing fighters attacking another large spherical Death Star. I do. I mean, part of me wonders why there weren't other, other like ships and stuff, because that was kind of the cool thing about Star Wars. There were a whole bunch of different ships and stuff. But also part of me says, I kind of appreciate it for them not trying to sell 80 different I mean, resources are pretty low. I mean, C-3PO has red arms. Have you seen Star Wars yet? Yeah. Okay. Hey, That's what we're Tom. About. Welcome back. I mean, so C three PO can't get a golden chromed arm, right? He has to have a red, you know, protocol droid arm. So you know they're not going to be able to get B wings and all kinds of fancy, you know, fighters. Great point. <laughs> I don't, I don't... <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Welcome back, Tom. Here's what we had Happy at New Year's. Year. Here's what we drank what at New Year's. I got uh, Omegong Jomagong now. Oh, you're just on an Omegong kick, huh? Yeah, it went Omegong the whole night. Oh. So far. Jeff just touching his utopias in an erotic manner. So, Tom, what do you think of Star Wars? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a Star Wars kick, Greg. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. I... I had a lot of fun watching it. It was so good to see a good story in the Star Wars. Remember Star Wars, that fun adventure series? Yeah. Greg Weiss, did you see the the criticism that Lucas is saying about J.J. Uh, Abrams? I did. I did. And it, it bugs the hell. What are you doing, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff, is, uh, Jeff is masturbating with the gigantic... Uh... <laughs> Gigantic Amagang. What is it? Uh, Three philosophers. Nice. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you guys aren't going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> We're not drinking that. Uh, <laughs> th- yeah, it, it was amazing to me that George Lucas had the gall to to do that when his movies were to- I mean okay he was saying hey these movies aren't original it's true episode 7 is not original it practically shoves Star Wars down your face it force feeds you Star Wars but if you want Star Wars it's great because man Star Wars uh, there's but yeah they weren't original but they were fun and I'm like remember that George remember movies that were fun and they were enjoyable to watch and they weren't like a slog you didn't have to sit there and you weren't Directing them by sitting there in your in your chair and just drinking coffee and doing A camera B camera. Remember that? Remember movie making? Tell us how you really feel, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Greg's right. I did a, a paper on him. I don't know, God, how many years ago it was, but the the whole Star Wars, the first one was it was the old Western serial set mm-hmm. in space instead yeah. of a a. a horse they're doing tie fighters i mean it was that was the whole premise of the show 
Yeah, it was Flash Gordon. It was it was it was the serials that you used to watch when you know when in in the you know forties and fifties when they you know started making stuff and they made this you know this cheap sci fi crap. Uh, but it was fun because kids were like, yeah, yeah, woo. And this thing, you know, there was the excuse for the prequels. Oh, they're, they're stories made for kids. Stories made for kids doesn't mean they're they're stupid and boring. Stories made for kids means the entire family can enjoy them. That's what for kids means. It means that everybody can enjoy them. It doesn't mean only tiny children will like them. Hey, guys, looks like Jason's back. Jason. Like muted, so. Did, are you muted again? <laughs> He's muted. <laughs> Can you unmute yourself, Jason? Oh. He's unmuted, but All there's right. still a ton of background noise. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had a lot of people leaving the house, so I had to just kind of. No, it's no problem. Everything. No problem. We muted you. Um, as long as the noise will cut down, you can. Uh, if you if there's more noise, just mute yourself and be cool. Sure. Uh, anyway, what was it? Was it saying something about uh, something about George Lucas and, and how George Lucas is and oh, yeah, back A-hole. to Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Harrison Ford is completely work. freed up to do Indiana Jones 5. Yes. <laughs> that's true. And I heard he's doing it. I heard that's in the it's in the production. Indiana Jones like, 4 was sure? terrible. I, I never... But he was good as Han. He was really good. He was. He, was. he acted again. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> he did. He, he... I was really... Uh, some of the best acting in the entire movie was... was... Mm-hmm. George yeah, R. Finn was a little enthusiastic for my case. I yeah. thought Daisy really did a good job as Ray. Yeah, no, yeah, Finn seemed a little too giddy. Yeah, uh, I think it was part of part of it was the character. Yeah, I like Poe Dameron a lot. That was a good character. People are really raving about Poe, and they hope there's a lot more Poe mm-hmm. in the next movie. Did you guys think um, Han Solo was a better Han Solo than he's ever been before? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no. Empire Han, Empire Han was was the best Han. Cause that, oh no, I, I think you're doing that through nostalgia, man. No, I don't think so. I I I saw Empire like four months ago, and it was great. Okay. I mean, it was fantastic. It was a great movie, uh, and the the Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford's character in that was yeah, obviously you know younger and cockier, but it really really worked, uh, and. I I thought Harrison Ford did a great job as Han in this one, but I really think the Empire Han was the best Han. Okay. I'll have to watch Empire again. Yeah. I, I think this one's the best Han. I think just the you know the I mean it's the, it's the, the, it's wiser, the resigned and wiser Han. Han. Yeah, like, I just it was yeah. really has some it, problems. It's a it's it. a good character and, and and Harrison Ford plays it very well. It, it is. I mean, it does feel like the same character, but I kind of feel like. I mean, you know, Empire is an embarrassment of riches in some sense, but I really do feel like that was like there's a re- I mean, there's a real intensity to the way he he is uh is doing everything he does um including, you know, going after from going after Carrie Fisher to to uh to his 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 flying and and the way that it looks like he's really concentrating on his flying and stuff he's doing. It really no. feels like you guys, a real person, you're watching some some character there. Do you guys cool. feel that um, the Chewbacca character was like more of a smartass in this movie than he had been in the past? No, I think they captured 
pretty much him how he was. I think the um the technology's moved on. He can express a bit. Well, more. that that's part of it. So I I have two things, right? Part of me feels like there was a guy in a producers meeting saying, "You know that rocket from Guardians? Can't Chewbacca be more like him?" <laughs> and then and then part of me is is that yeah, the the face of Chewbacca can be more expressive now. So well, they're allowing it to be more nuanced than so he was the, in the past. The Chewbacca character changed, right? I mean, if you look at the the, the first Star Wars, he's kind of like a, a tough guy who's with Han and a little bit of mechanic. And in in Empire, he's a bit more mechanic and a bit more sidekick. And then in Jedi, he's he's a he's a dog basically. He's <laughs> He's a loyal little dog. Hansel. Greg, you're forgetting the damn Christmas special. <laughs> I am forgetting the Christmas special. You're right. <laughs> I was Everybody just. Should... I just listened to how did this get made? Where they reviewed the. Oh, have you ever seen it? Star Wars Christmas. It's special. it's a special it's, piece of awesome. It's awful. <laughs> I was going to say special piece of awful, but. I mean, it, it is, is the the level to which it is awful is so awesome that you're kind of flabbergasted by it. Uh, it's it's like the room. It's like wow, this is bad. This is really bad. I kind of dig this as bad. Uh, it's funny because um, emo Kylo Ren tweeted about Life Day, and I didn't get it until I listened to the How Did This Get Made podcast. Yeah. Have you guys seen that on Twitter? There's emo Kylo Ren. No, but that sounds awesome. No, no, you, you search for it. You have to follow him. So yeah. Kylo Ren. It's a Kylo, I think, R3N, I think it's his, let's see. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, it's K-Y-L-O-R-3-N. Oh, I've got to find this. you got to follow him. One of his tweets, the tweet that I that got me on his radar was, uh, I prefer my craft beers dark. <laughs> <laughs> So, some some beer brewer retweeted that, and then I started that I started funny. following it, and it's it's really good. You got to follow emo Kylo Ren. <laughs> All right, so do you want to do speculation? Sure, sure. I mean, this, the speculation is fun because it, it's it's almost always wrong. But if you're right, you get to you get to claim you're a genius. So uh, let's you know let's do some speculation. So you you kind of had three. I, I, I had a couple sort of sort of interesting ideas. So the, the the first is you know the big question is what who's Ray? Right. That that's the huge question. And obviously the, the most really? what that was pretty obvious, wasn't it? From the context in the film. Well, I think that the most obvious answer is she's Luke Skywalker's daughter. Yeah, I mean, is, is there a reason to think that's not the case? She could. Well, yeah, there, there she, are plenty of reasons. She to could the be Han and or Leia's daughter. I think that would be mentioned at some point, uh, but to me, like the three, well, the three most there's likely... a pos- there's a possibility that she was Leia's daughter and Han didn't know he fathered her. I have three likely options, and I thought of a fourth. The th- the first option is yes, she's Luke's daughter. The second option is what I what I thought was while I was watching the movie, I was like, what if I know the the, the ages don't quite work out right, but I mean you could you could make stuff what if she's Kylo Ren's daughter? What if she's somehow his daughter and he knows about her, but he's like, Well, I mean, I'm not gonna touch her unless she's he's evil. I th- uh, hey, also just just to point out, Jason's still here and he hasn't seen it, remember? 
And we're discussing some pretty heavy bits now. Yeah, sorry, Jason. This is just speculation. Yeah, it's just speculation. The the third option... Yeah, okay, that's cool. The third option I came yeah. up with was what if she's like, you know, Anakin in the pre in, in, in the prequels where she's a she's an embodiment of the force and that would explain why she's so adept at doing forces. Yeah, I don't like it either. And yeah. but the fourth option I thought of Palpatine's recently, daughter. Right. <laughs> that's not I, I heard this option from somebody else. I, I won't claim it. I won't claim the thought of it, but the idea that she's a clone of Luke from his hand. <laughs> it feels a little, a little someone really got their cloning technology wrong yeah it feels like mu- a little much but the the, the Luke, option... what are you doing i'm cloning baby i'm cloning the option I, I thought of recently was both finn and her were abandoned at early at a young age and, and th- thought and tossed into stuff so that what if they both came from the same place Luke's hand. <clears throat> I mean, the obvious the obvious thing to me is, you know, they both came from a Jedi temple or something, and so they're kind of linked by the Force, uh, and so that's sort of why they came together is the Force is seeing it all happen. Well, the Force makes a lot of coincidences happen. It's yeah. always done it yeah. right. I mean, you know, you, it's a great MacGuffin. Yeah. If you have magic in your universe. I mean, that's great. That's a great way to, to, to explain things. You have magic in your universe. So, and, and Star Wars does. And it works. It works in Star Wars because they don't, they don't get, they don't talk about midichlorians. <laughs> they don't make it into a science. Uh, it is good that, that Abrams has just left the midichlorians yeah, thing by the side yeah. of the road. All right. That's oh. a piece of shit, Lucas. We're not going to touch that. <laughs> that's right there with the holiday special. Yeah. Did you, did you see his answer about that? What was that? He's like, well, it, it, he was asked if he was going to be exploring it. He says, well, it's canon now. There's nothing I can do about it. That is, that's real in this universe. He says, I don't have to pay attention to it. I can just leave yeah. it back in the background and just never mention it again. <laughs> to me, it, I was asked this question. What would you, if you had to tell somebody, to, if you had to give an order for all seven movies, what would you do it? And... For those celebrating in the central time zone. We're getting ready to hey. say happy new oh, year. Oh, what? Oh, how wow. many? How much time do we have? Five, Five four, three, two, one. one. Show happy new year. Happy new year. For Jason Cosina, who left us an hour ago. Yeah. Happy Jason, new year. Jason, where are you? Yeah, they're Jason. Different Jason, sorry. He's so muted. You're so muted, Jason. I don't know if you're... I'm uh, in Maryland. Maryland. Oh, cool. So you're on the yeah, East Coast. East God's yeah. one true time zone. Yeah. Isn't that great? You were from Maryland, weren't you? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I mean, technically, it's not really so much Maryland as DC because it's really the DC area right. that I was in. So uh, I was I've got to visit there. It looks like a cool place. It's not. <laughs> it's really <laughs> not. Not. not I have so relatives have been, and they, they love DC, but they've not really explored Maryland. <laughs> DC bother. has has its moments, oh. but. <laughs> And you know, and go, a weekend in DC is probably going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we've done that several times, but any more than that, and the the ugh, the, the environment, the people, the, the way that the culture is. eighteen years there is way too long. Yes. <laughs> um. Anyway, oh, well. we were on uh, Star Wars. Something about Star Wars. So sorry, just getting back to Han. Yes, because because I'm obsessed with Han. Uh, <laughs> Did you not think that 
Yeah, well, we were talking about, you know, is he the best version of Han? I, I would say imagine Empire Han, put 30 years on him, and do you not think he just nailed that? Oh, I do. How many actors I do character and aged them that well? Oh, I think he nailed it. I do think he nailed it. And it was yeah. great to see Harrison Ford try again. Uh, yeah, it was. It, so I, I don't want to see Indy again. Right. I, I don't. That's no more Indy. Yeah. But I, I just think that the, the version of the character in Empire was was more fun. Hey Tom, glad you're back. Yeah, I had a little technical difficulty there. <laughs> it happens. We've had the, our share. <laughs> <laughs> the people that joined early, Steve and Greg, know about technical difficulties. Our wide-angle <laughs> web camera shit the bed. Our microphone didn't work. My initial computer didn't work. We're running on Greg's laptop. It's yeah. insane it's a, how many problems it's, I had. It's a crazy oh. time. Uh, hey, Tom, you're in Delaware, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So is there any reasonable, way, easy way to get there from Pittsburgh if you don't want to drive? Not Pittsburgh, Pitt sorry. Philly. Um, uh, Philadelphia. It's not too bad from Philly. Just, just drive down south. What was Wait, it? What? Drive it. No, if, if, if I'm not going to drive. You guys drive on the wrong side of the road. I can't deal with that. <laughs> Don't do Uber. It'll be expensive. Yeah, I figured. And yeah, if I you... mean, uh, the... Is there a train or something you can take? Yeah, there's a train. Uh... I yeah, tried it, Google and it, it, I couldn't find anything that ended up anywhere near where I wanted because I want to go to Dogfish Head. I really want to go to Rehoboth. And, uh, so, so, Greg, the thing you got to worry about, Greg, is there's there's a ton of really smelly chicken farms between Philly and Rehoboth, and it's it's just awful. You don't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, te- I'm teasing. I'm teasing, yeah, except for bright. the really smelly chicken farms. They're they're horrid. Uh-huh. I've I've never I been there, so I don't know. Dairy farming. I'm used to it. <laughs> Chicken poo has a, a room all of itself. Yeah, it does. There is a Delaware brew bus, though, now. So if you could get into the state, I'm not sure where they pick you up. But they take okay. you to a couple different breweries in Delaware, like on one of those like uh, little like limo bus type uh, vehicles. Yeah. Okay. I might give that a try. I'm there in, in May, so I'm going to see if I can get down there and – it's just I've always wanted to visit. You know, Dogfish is one of the early, early ones that one of the ones that got me into good beer, and I want to go see him. Mm. Yeah, it's a good tour. Yeah, I met Sam. Sam came down to New Zealand a few years ago. He did a collaboration with Luke from Epic here, and I got to meet him. And he said, "Oh, come and hang out. It's really easy to get here." And I went, <laughs> I, "That's not what I've heard." The U.S. <laughs> he was talking to the U.S. Not Dogfish yet. Oh yeah, the U.S. is very easy to get to. I've gone there a lot. <laughs> Dogfish, maybe not so much. Anyway, sorry to interrupt the Star no, Wars. No, no, I'm, I'm trying to think of what, what else there is to say about Star Wars. I think we kind of covered all the, all the bases. The prequels suck. You're, the you're, new you're covering great. your theories about Episode Eight. Well, yeah. So, all right. So there was. So I've gone through with the Ray stuff, right? I mean, the, the thing that, that I like is is the idea that they they were all part of this Jedi Temple and they were sort of split up. Um, and and you mean Luke's Jedi Academy or yeah. Luke okay. Jedi Academy, and and so they were split up, and so she was she's a daughter of somebody from Jedi Academy, maybe Luke, maybe not, but so's Finn, and Finn is is also related to that in some way. I I like that idea that I the uh, I wouldn't say red, I I came up with it, but I don't know if it if it's true. I mean, who knows? It's um, going to be a Ray Finn love story. I don't think so because here's what I think. I think that Ray, you know, I talked about this when I was talking just about the wood where I read in the story, and I want to say this: I really appreciated being spoiled 
because I could watch the movie for what it was as opposed to trying to, you know, you know, figure out the story while I was watching it. Uh, I, I think that being spoiled has actually was helped me enjoy the movie more because I could watch the movie for what it was. Uh, so I, so I was thinking as it was coming out, like, okay, if I were writing episode three and four, then I really think that a great storyline would be sort of the fall of Ray and the rise of Kylo. Kylo becomes That'd good be through the story and Ray sort of falls. Maybe she gets redeemed at the end, but she falls. And that'd be a really interesting kind of story dichotomy to raise. Cause you have this, this, you know, amazing, awesome. You have this, this character who's like just super good and have her fall would be really, a really cool thing to show. Cause and she wasn't super good either. Was she, she was very independent, very self-interested. Right. You know, and she, she was just, you could see her falling to the dark side quite easily especially with how easy the force came to her well that's what you were saying greg yeah. is um if someone could just intuit the force like she did like you know maybe she heard about the jedi mind trick and she's locked up in the the interrogation mm-hmm. chair and she's like well, let's see if i can figure this shit out and right. she tries it three times and gets it you know if she's able to intuit the force that way you were saying it'd be very tempting to because in the prequels, it's all about discipline. Mm-hmm. If you don't have crazy discipline, you're going to fall to the dark side. Well, even in episode four, right? I mean, that's kind yeah. of what Obi-Wan was preaching, right? Uh, so you could see that if she doesn't have the the teaching and the discipline, that she would fall right into the dark side. Oh, I so hope that's the plot they go down. That would be amazing. I mean, I don't know, but it would be a cool plot to go down. I, I loved him, like, stopping the, the bolt in midair. Uh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, he was clearly... He was, he was clearly powerful. He's more powerful in the Force than, than what we've seen, for, for at least in, in, in the reg, in, in the I real thought movies. for sure he was going to have the Stormtroopers put Poe in front of the bolt and have it oh. go through him. I thought for sure that was going to happen. But he's, he's, so he's, he's powerful, but he's, it's, it's a very... It's a kind of weak kind of power. He's powerful, but he doesn't know how to use it quite well. Uh, I, we were talking about the order that I would say people should do them if they had to watch all seven, and I said, just watch four, five, and six, and seven, and then think of one, two, and three as fan fiction because that's <laughs> as, as far as I'm concerned, that's really the best way to watch it. Because somebody challenged me and I said, look, I don't consider the first three Star Wars movies. I consider them to be this, you know, this, you know, shitty attempt to do auteur movie making without actually putting an interesting story or interesting stuff going on. Just, just oh, let's it make something dark. It, it would be really interesting to go and watch them without any kind of cultural attachment to the universe, right? It would be interesting to see them for the first time through fresh eyes without ever having seen a Star Wars film before, and see if we still think they're as horrible as we think they are. Well, they are, because, I mean, objectively, the first three episodes are horrible. They're terrible characters, and it's a this boring story. And, uh, I mean, I don't know any way... I mean, I really don't know how you could see those three movies in, in anything other than, than rose-colored glasses, you know, with nostalgia glasses. I don't see how you could see those movies as being good, other than I really like Star Wars, so I like anything that explores this universe, even, what, if I, even, if the, even if the story is good. Okay, name me the most dynamic character in the first three in the prequels. The who's most the mo- dynamic. Who's the character? most dynamic character in the prequels? Obi Wan, probably. Obi Wan, yeah. yeah. Okay, second most dynamic character. I mean, there's not many, right? R two D two. 
Super <laughs> yeah, stiff. The emperor, the emperor was kind of dynamic. The emperor was fun, right? He's, he loved being yeah. evil. Yeah. He loved being evil, and that was it. Yeah. Hence the reason I think that's Ray's father. <laughs> that could be. A, yeah, exactly. Or a clone of the emperor. Old man Oates. <laughs> I mean, why not bring back clones, right? I mean, if you have that in, in, your, in your back pocket, you could bring it up and not have it be you know, a huge deal. Uh, what's so he doing mad. though like, what's Palpatine doing is he driving around this combi van pulling up to a primary school and going hey little girl come in here I've got some sweeties oh and who I know the knows floor. he spent three <laughs> movies being like hey I'm controlling everything with my little puppet powers uh, and, and, and all I mean he, all his things kept being like oh I'm gonna kill the Jedi I'm gonna kill the Jedi I'm gonna kill the Jedi oh Anakin's my apprentice and I planned this all along it was, <laughs> it was so dumb you're right it is pretty bad because i was you know, i'm thinking about it when i first saw them and i was looking back and thinking that my primary emotion when i came out was disappointment mm-hmm. i don't remember feeling anything particularly horrible about the films themselves just disappointed that they let down the franchise but you may be right maybe i, I haven't watched them again since the, the very first time i saw them in the theaters so maybe i should go I back. no no I wouldn't watch no them again. Don't watch it again. <laughs> no. Do not. They're bad. They're just bad movies. They're it, awful. Yeah. Do not watch them. There's okay. a little bit, like the Geonosis scene in Attack of the Clones is kind of fun to well, watch. I mean, yeah, but, they're fun little scenes. But other than that, it's these horrible. six hours of shit. So if you, <laughs> I mean, if you want to see, you know, six or seven good scenes along six hours of shit, they're there. But is that really hey. worth it? Hey guys, do you realize there were people that watched all six movies up to the premiere of Seven? I know, and I feel really sorry for them. (laughs) Hey, they would have had, you know, six hours of pain, then six hours of Well, I mean, look, there there are some people who love Star Wars so much that they'll watch anything and be like, it's great, it's great. Look, they're Jedi with lightsabers. Uh, One of the things I loved about this movie was the lightsaber fights weren't these choreographed bullshit. They were just people slamming on each other with these things. Because that's what you would do. Jeff, Jeff, what did Max think of the first three? Uh, He's he's only five. He saw them when he was four and five. And he likes them. I mean... Yeah, because they were Star Wars. Because they were Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're very pretty for, for kids, There's right? been times where he's chosen to watch a prequel instead of the original trilogy. I'm like, sure you want to watch that one? Don't you want to watch Empire? And, uh... <laughs> Look, let him discover on his own their <laughs> sure, shit. Sure, uh, but So, no, he doesn't notice they're shitty. Yeah. Well, it, he's a five-year-old. He's going to be distracted by anything. It, it doesn't help That's that Heather saying. tells him that her favorite character is Jar Jar Binks. Um, oh, no. So that doesn't help. She's dead to me. Her uncle oh. Greg does not approve. <laughs> <laughs> Grab that picture over there, Greg. Yeah, I, I, I think that the best description I ever heard of of Jar Jar Binks, and I'm sorry for the curse words, was from Red Letter Media, where they called him a loathsome cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you need that clip that you had of the pronunciations. Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. Cunt. Cunt. Cut, <laughs> uh, and that fits Jar Jar Binks. What I was walking a, to work with you. What piece of shit character! And man, like like the only thing that Force Awakens is missing was it was like oh a shot of Jar Jar eh, and it explodes. Um, so so how do you think of um, 
I thought C-3PO's introduction was perfect. Oh, it was great. It was great. Yeah. It was great. Because it was the goofy Jar Jar bullshit, but not Yeah, but Lucas like you know, five it. seconds of it, and then like, all right, get out of the fucking way. <laughs> yeah, that, that can work for five seconds. It can. He, he didn't step in the poopy. He just like, bah, 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 and then right, get out of here. Yeah, but it was like he the way he cut it right there. I just thought it was really well done. Yeah, for no, was, a little bit was, of comedic relief right yes, when the reunion was happening. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. There were so many things to like about this movie. The the comedic relief I didn't like the most was probably when they were on the Star Killer base, and um, Han finds out that Finn was in sanitation. He's like, "What are we gonna do?" He's like. <laughs> You know, the force doesn't work that way. You know, that like that uh-huh. line. I didn't like that line. I, th- I th- like th- that line a lot. I like I the really... force doesn't work. I like that line a you lot. Like because it was, it yeah, was, sure. yeah, saying like, this isn't fucking magic. Yeah, okay. All right. There, there's some, there's some method to this madness. Okay. It's not just, do, do, do crazy shit. And I, I really like that. Now, the, the sanitation line, I picked, I, I took that as what he was doing, which is a sanitizing villages. I didn't take that oh. as, as, janitor oh well you went to a dock place (laughs) i i I threw it back to the homage for the first one where when they were in the damn uh trash trash compactor yes thank you well the reason the reason why i thought that was if he was a compactor if he was a janitor why would he have gone down with those people to the planet in the beginning well, right. that I, I think he that he was when he was on Star Killer base he was in sanitation and then promoted to I, I, okay I can see that or something I like can that, see that so. but um yeah I I guess that's possible I I I took it to be sanitation oh. uh but you know who knows cleansing they're cleansing yeah. you assigned so that's the thing you thought that you thought Finn was so they kind of said that Finn wasn't a clone, that he was taken from his family at birth, and right. you felt that Finn is it. The immediate thing that came to my mind, because there was a line in there when, when what's your name, the, the, you know, the, the, the yellow Yoda, said, uh, <laughs> she said, I've seen your eyes before. And I was like, oh, he's a clone. Uh, and, but then, you know, she, she justified it where it's, it's the eyes of somebody who wants to run. But... I, I kind of felt like, hmm, that, that's, a, that's an interesting sort of line, and it, it fits with him being, he's a serial number, so that would make sense if he was just, you know, a, a clone, uh, and, and we'll see some, you know, some gambit by the Empire to use his clone to, to do something as a spy. But I also I also like the idea of him and Ray being part of some sort of group of kids that were I mean, separated. I think the, the clone storylines played out. I think that they tied that up. They mentioned clones in the first one, which is a classic sort of Chekhov's gun thing, which, you know, if you bring it up in the first one... It, I, I had a couple of tweets first, about... What do you mean the first one? In, in Seven. They oh, mentioned okay. clones in the Seven. Uh-huh. So so I, I, I had some tweets about storytelling, and one of the things I said was, you introduce your characters in the first half of something, and you let their characters play out in the second half. Don't introduce new stuff about your characters in the second half of whatever of what story you're telling, because that's bad storytelling. But if you're doing a three movies, you can you can do like a movie and a half of introduction before you get onto the stuff. And so I I, I saw that as being yeah. That that sort of you know bring up some interesting stuff and bring up some new stuff. No thanks. What are you pouring there, Jeff? 
I'm drinking more of the uh, 2004 Bigfoot. Oh, good call. I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just drinking good old water. American water. H2O with American flag. Zero. <laughs> well, guys, I think I'm going to have to bail. Yeah, I'm, it's getting that time for me it too, is getting well. that time for everybody so i think it's probably good if we you know stopped here i really appreciate everybody you know calling in thanks guys so much it was fun to talk to you uh maybe next year who knows I'll maybe we'll do 24 hours next oh, year good. no we're not doing 24 hours <laughs> next year i'll be guaranteed to fall asleep during that one <laughs> not gonna happen tell you what, guys. come down here fly down here then it's really easy you just start at three in the afternoon and go through till like eight o'clock at night well that that down. is a 24 hour show if we take yeah. the flight down, right? We can do it on the plane too, right? Well, that's it. We'll stay on the plane the whole time. We'll yeah. just start flying west. Exactly. Is the Concorde fast enough <laughs> to right, keep guys. up with the rotation? Concorde doesn't exist anymore. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> really right, great. Thanks, guys. Great to Let's see you. Pull Concorde out of mothballs. Thanks for joining yes. us. Thank you, Happy everyone. New Year, everybody who is here and who may be listening later. And have a great 2016. Cheers. Cheers. See you guys. Thanks. Cheers.